This is episode 104 for Tuesday, August 8th, 2017. Brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we'll be covering... Yeast! Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Sawyer, and together with Chris, Travis, and Eddie, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Every week we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. Drop by our website, brewstyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. All right, well, uh, welcome back to another episode of That There uh, Brew Styles, and uh, I'm joined by one intoxicated person and another sober person. Which is which? Uh, <laughs> drunk. Yeah. Uh, that's the voice of Chris, uh, and he's the intoxicated I'm person Chris? today. How do you know? Uh, well, you're slurring your words. Not yet, I'm not. Well, Inoculated. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Bloody fantastic. That almost turned into, like, Australian. Was it? <laughs> well, Australia is a, a colony of mm-hmm. England, just like the U.S. There's still a little difference to it, though. Just like the U.S. of A. There are definitely f- some bad hombres here today. That was Nigel. It Nigel was good. here today. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel and yes. I did a, a double brew day today. <laughs> what? You almost messed that one up, too. Did I? Yeah. No. I brewed at Goza. Okay. And he is taking James's BJCP class. Oh, cool. Right now. And the one that Travis and I took. BJCP. Yes. Uh, the one that started this entire podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's taking his class right now in his homework beer. Whoa. <laughs> his homework beer uh-huh. is the Rogan beer. Oh, okay. Uh, my homework beer when I took the class was the pale keller beer which was the one that we served at travis's wedding and travis's homework beer was imperial blonde no oh. uh, kentucky common yeah it was a common i, I oh, can't remember which one because yeah. you've done a couple of common beers yours uh your homework beer was a kentucky common the other one you did was the california common yeah come on eileen yeah come on yeah i remember that beer. um so yeah so he came over and and we did a double brew day well, that's, that's awesome. That's fun. Yeah. He brought, a, some, he brought some of his uh, English beer that he's homebrewed that... We're all drinking right now. It was uh, bloody fantastic. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah, it's a pretty good beer. It's pretty clear. Uh, nice malty oh, so flavor to it. Apparently, there was a lot of rye in it. They were drinking it now. Yeah. yeah. It was um, ordinary bitter, I think is what he was uh, trying to do, but he threw some rye in there to add some spice. Yeah. Travis and I actually had this one at the homebrew club this month which was this week. Um, I think we, 
I, I picked up a little bit more spiciness in it. It's kind of dropped a little bit, which is strange. We were talking about this earlier. Rye is not one of those things that I thought would drop off over time, right. like, like hops do. Mm-hmm. But I get a lot less rye in this right now I see. Than, uh, than what we got earlier this week. I see. So, anyway. Cool. Well, Travis, how are oh, you? That was my tangent. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Good. Done anything fun with beer lately? I haven't brewed in a while, um, but I did go to the, I did go to the club home brew meeting. Cool this week. Club homebrew. Yes, homebrew the club. homebrew club meeting the, this week. That their cap and hair. The home club brew, which uh, was quite interesting because it actually had a topic concerning our topic for the podcast today. Yes, so yes, it, it was lovely to get a chance to hear from somebody else about you know the topic of the day. Okay, that their yeast and you know learned a little bit. It was. A little bit of um, a different meeting because it was kind of tossed together at the last minute. Mm. Uh, all the uh, the head officers, president, vice president, they were sick with, quotation, stomach bug. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or were somewhere else or doing something yeah. work-related or anyway. There's Yeah. So they weren't there. Several people weren't there. And then one of our guest speakers who was scheduled had to cancel and didn't come. So it was kind of last minute tossed together. Thrown together, yeah. But uh, we still learned something, and hopefully we'll be able yeah. to convey some of that information today on our episode. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that I'll be as articulate as that guy, but uh, or that presentation, but we'll find out, I guess. Well, it was Mikey. Oh. So, you got a fair shot. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I do have 21 pages of notes, so... <sighs> It's gonna be like a four-hour episode. No, uh, it's all—it's a lot of just summary things. Okay, um, well, summarize and, your summary. And if you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna ask questions, no! I'll, I'll hopefully have the information. So that we need, uh, yes, because here at Brew Styles we have more questions than answers. <laughs> That's we are a beer one. podcast, sir. <laughs> we will talk about any beers. God, I was drunk in that one. So yes, uh, today we are talking about yeast. Uh, which always brings me back to that one homebrew club's name called Yeasty Boys. I think is their that's, that's a little strange. Yeah. Subscribe. Oh yes, thank you to our <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Please subscribe if you haven't hit that subscribe button. We would love for you to do that. Also, uh, if you are hundreds of listeners, <laughs> yeah, our tens of listeners. Uh, I grouped to hundreds. Yes. Oh, so yeah. our twenties of Multiple. listeners. Great. We're big time. Um, <laughs> Multiple hundred. I'm going to show you a big boy. Thanks, <laughs> uh, Eddie. And, uh, you know, feel free to uh, send us an email, ask us some questions, leave comments. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, all of it. All Positive, of it. negative. Yes. We just recently became aware of a negative review on yes. our podcast, and it was very constructive. So yeah. thank you for that. And we're going to, you know, try to improve what we do because we're here for our listeners. Kind of. No, you can email me at fratto.brewstyles at netscape.navigator.org. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of that. Oh. Send your negative comments there. Yes. The positive ones you can post on iTunes under the review section with heading five stars. Yeah. And even if you leave a negative one there, please put five stars anyways. All right. I hate it, but I love it. Yes. It's a love-hate relationship. Okay. Uh, like with sour beers. Yeah, we, we will get to that today. Oh, yes. you brought a sour. I brought several. Fantastic. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I but they're all... I, I, uh, 
I'm not going to lie. I forgot to pick up a Brett beer. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, sorry. Anyways. Brettinomyces. Yeah, that one. That's okay. Yeah. And you will hear me botch a lot of large words today. So Travis, and I'll try to help you out. Okay. <laughs> Travis will. We'll Travis pull a lot will. Of drops. Tra- Travis yeah. will try to help you out. Yeah. yeah. So this is our, our third episode <laughs> in the series. It is. It is. So today's yeast, our next one will be water. So Hopefully. episode one was malt, basics of beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then episode- good job, which I, wow. Good job with that one, Travis. That was yeah. very thank you, thank you. Uh, entertaining and enlightening. I had a good time with that one. Yeah, I didn't want to go against the grain on that one, so oh, I tried my best. Uh, episode two in the series, which was actually the most recent one. And we hopped right along. Episode 103 mm-hmm. was hops, and yeah. uh, Chris kind of took the reins on that one. It was okay. We didn't eat hops. No. If you want to hear us eat hops, go back to like episode... It was an IPA episode, wasn't it? It was ESB. ESB. Yeah, it was ESB. Yeah. It was like... 13 or something super early. It was episode 15. No. <laughs> it might have actually been episode 15. We were still in uh, Studio 2.0 at that point, so it was super early. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a good experience, but anyway, yeah, you can hear us eat hops. Find so our, ESB episode. Part got, 3 today of our Basics of Beer series. Yes. So <laughs> we're going to start off with just a little bit of history about yeast. Um, and granted, I know that... There is a huge history with yeast. It mine will not be that long or today, or very little, because we didn't know yeast existed until. Well, yes, but in terms of food and all that, right? Yes, but I'm not going to get into food. Only beer today, so there we go. No bread yeast. No. Some people brew with bread yeast. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, this doesn't taste like pretzels, but it reminds me of how my mouth feels after I'm done eating pretzels. So dry. dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So everybody knew what you were talking about. <sighs> okay, history. Go. Prior to the 18th century, yeast was the unknown quantity in beer production. Did you know that? Yes. Okay, good. Because, <laughs> Like I said, people, people did not don't. know what yeast was. No, no. It was the, uh, the magic that made alcohol happen. Right, right. Yeast goes unmentioned in the Reinheitsgebot. Reinheitsgebot. Yeah. The fifteen sixteen Bavarian beer purity law that specified only water, harp, hot, wow, hops and harp. barley. <laughs> yeah, harps. I was trying to combine hops and barley. Sorry. I'm going to start that over. The fifteen sixteen Bavarian pu- beer purity law that specified only water, hops and barley as approved ingredients for beer. Although the rule did not really extend over a terribly wide area, its influence is often overstated. Here's a fun fact. Fun fact me. There is one style of beer from Germany that is exempt from the Reinheitsgebot. What is that beer? I don't know. Name that beer. Hacker Shore. <laughs> style, not oh, brewery. Dang it. Martzen? No. Hmm. Spice, herb, or vegetable no, no. Uh, I'm gonna guess Hefeweizen. Nope. Uh, uh, Crystal Weiss. Nope. Kragen beer. Nope. Close, because it was something that was brewed today. Oh, and uh, this is why I know this because I looked it up. I, I don't know. So Cesar type hops. No. Uh, so Nigel brewed his Rogan beer for the class, like we talked about. Yeah. I brewed my Goza. There is a certain ingredient that historically is added to a goza. Salt. No. That's salt. 
The salt from Magoza is from the river from which they pulled their brewing water from. Okay. Oh, yeah. But historically, and sorry, you're going to kick yourself for not knowing this. Eh, whatever. Actually, no, it's not Paradise Seeds. <laughs> However, uh, historically, Gozas have coriander added to them. That's right. You're right. And so the... I, I don't know at what point this happened, but Goza is a historical German beer style that is exempt from the Reinheitsgebot because coriander is added. Hmm. So there you go. Cool. I actually recently just learned that. So oh, okay. Well, now I know. There you go. And awesome. Now half the battle. It is. <laughs> Maybe I'll learn it again in the year 2000. Oh, wait, that's already passed. Uh, 17 years ago. Yeah. All right, well, at that point, yeast was simply not recognized. I'm sorry. At that point, yeast was simply not a recognized part of the brewing process. Recognize. Yeah. Recognize. Uh, Brewers were aware that something magical happened somewhere along the line, turning their watery mixture into a pleasant alcohol beverage, at least when all went well. While spontaneous fermentation, which we will talk about, was often successful in some regions, uh, the less fortunate brewer had to hope things would turn out as they wished, but spoiled beer caused by a lack of good hygiene or rogue yeasts was not uncommon. You know, it makes me think, how much bad beer was drank? Like, just funky and terrible beer. Probably a lot. What we would call a drain pour. Before they knew what yeast was, how often was bad beer drank as a norm? I would say a lot, and they might look at it like kind of like what we do today with certain interesting styles, as I'll put it. Uh, like it's a new innovation, and they'll drink it anyways. Because I, I remember us talking about before, beer used to be drank out of opaque mugs, like stone or metal mugs that you couldn't see the beer because it looked awful. Mm-hmm. It looked like mud water. Mm-hmm. And that's what they initially drank beer out of, right? Or horn, horn mugs, or horn. What, I don't know. Anyway, so you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. So with the yeast part of it, they didn't know what yeast was. At yeah. what point did they decide? Okay, this is this is a good beer and this is a bad beer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's a good question, and I don't know that we will ever know uh, historically. Probably not. No. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, they knew back in the day when beer got bad because in last week's episode, yeah. you talked about putrefaction, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that there was an old phrase about, you know, adding the hops and blah, blah, blah. And sage would, leaves. Yeah. Would prevent the ev- inevitability putrefaction of this beer. Yeah. Right. So they knew it was bad, but what's bad and what's wild fermentation? Mm-hmm. I guess we'll never know. Right. There probably weren't many uh, 45 point beers, uh, as far as BJCP <laughs> is concerned, being produced uh, back in the 1300s. Of course, nobody knew what BJCP was. So, yeah. Yeah. So, probably, probably the best probably beer might have been maybe a 20. By today's standards. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Y'all ready to keep going? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to. No. <laughs> I'm Sorry. really going to mess up this name, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Anthony Van Leeuwenhoek. Does that sound right? I'm Ron Burgundy. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no. Uh, anyways, that person, the first master of the microscope, 
first identified yeast, although... Master Betty? We will get to that. Oh. Kind of. Oh. Although he did not realize it was a living organism, and an awareness that it was somehow involved in the fermentation process began to take hold throughout the later 18th and early 19th century. Things finally became clear when Louis Pasteur was able to demonstrate that without living yeast multiplying and thriving, fermentation would not take place. He Pas- pub- Sorry, Pasteur is a name I've heard before. Yeah. Travis, have you, uh, we, was that part of the class? I can't place where I heard it. Um, it's Do important in making milk commercially. Pasteurizing. Pasteurizing. pasteurizing pasteurization. Are, you, are you like... Louis Pasteur. Are you making that up, or is it? He's kind of a big deal. Are you making that up, or is that a serious thing? I've heard about him a long time ago. So yes, you should be familiar with his name. But is that pasteurizing? Like, is that the real reason? Yes. Okay. Because of his name, yeah, he discovered yeast and identified different strains. Okay. So before, all right, before he came along, it was just open fermentation. But he was the first one. Yeah, we talked about him. I think it was on the. uh, one of our first lager episodes. Okay. Possibly German pills. Sorry, I can't tell when you're like messing with me and when you're being serious. Episode nine. <laughs> it's because he's drunk. So, me or Travis? You. Shh. Wet. It's moist. Gross. Uh, wrong button. Yeah, I, hit it. I made it. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a mistake. Yeah. All right. He, uh, he published his initial findings in 1857. Uh, he, mm-hmm. o- he offered his knowledge to the French brewing industry suggesting that impurities in yeast could be removed through a number of purification methods, although they were not wholly successful. Uh, okay. Now we're going to talk about a, uh, a chemist at Carlsberg uh, named Emil Hansen, I think is how you pronounce it. Emil, Emil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1883, Hansen was able to isolate and clone. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Hansen was able to isolate and clone the yeast used to produce Carlsberg lager. The rest, as they say, is history. The yeast is known as Saccharomyces Carlsberg... uh, Wow. Carlsberg insists whatever that is. Named after Hansen. I'm sorry, Carlsberg's, yes. Uh, And then the other one is... The same S word that's really long, Saccharomyces. We did not check the explicit Saccharomyces is a generic ale yeast strain. But Pastorianus. That's not so generic. Yeah. yeah. Saccharomyces is the, what, the genus? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of the overall family name, and then the second one is the, the more specific. Right. I'm not so a every biologist. Uh, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong. Every yeast that ferments something is a Saccharomyces. Uh, yeast, yeah. Because you got Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is the generic beer ale yeast, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, because you got the, the ale yeast, the lager yeast. The only yeast that doesn't fit into that is Brettanomyces, because that's Brettanomyces bruxellus. Yeah, which is not a Saccharomyces. Which is still a yeast. All the other ones are bacteria, which that's a totally different thing. But Saccharomyces is the beer yeast. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I think bread yeast is actually a Saccharomyces also. Is it? 
something like that. Because I know the beer yeast is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's the brewer's yeast. Yes. Yeah. Because you got brewer's yeast and you got like bread yeast. Yeah. Which I think is also Saccharomyces. It's the it's, same thing, but essentially. It's, a, it's it's a different strain of Saccharomyces. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um let's see. Many of today's modern lager yeasts are close descendants of Hansen's yeast. Bob. Gosh. In that regard, Clean brewers worldwide still owe Carlsberg a debt of thanks. Their scientific approach heralded the beginning of what we would recognize as modern yeast production and maintenance for brewers large and small. I'm sorry, small. So, short, short history there. Um, so, what I would like to do now is uh, get the first beer up. and oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to do this a little differently. Uh, we oh! Oh! <laughs> We have a lot to talk about and a lot of beer to drink, so we're going to take a short break and get that first one going. Fantastic. Okay, and we're Bach. No, not really a Bach, but um, we are going to start out with a lager, uh, a German lager, if that. Um, this is the Spaten Oktoberfest. Uh, it is a Martzen. So I have a question. Question me. Why start with this one? Uh, this was going to allow me to talk about uh, the difference between lagers and ales. Okay. Um, so we'll get there in just a second. All right. Um, so uh, the ABV is 5.9%, and that's interesting. It says malt liquor on it. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I never, malt liquor! Yeah. I Thank never, you for I never noticed that uh, since 1397. Uh, brewed in Munich. I'm sorry, Munich. Bless you. Uh, thank you. Uh, imported by Import Brands Alliance in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, my God. It tastes so good. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Uh, some of the Texas breweries have already released their Oktoberfest, like Oak Highlands uh, released theirs on October or on August 1st. Rar. Rar, yeah, out. it's yeah. out there too. Um, so, you know, thank you. Um, so yeah, this is our first beer. So let's talk through the beer first, and then we'll kind of get to some more information. So let's see. Wow, that is clear, brilliantly clear, really, really clear. And that's what you're gonna mainly have with loggers is clarity, the clear clarity. Yeah, I mean, as home brewers, sometimes we talk about cold crashing. Yeah. Lagering is essentially cold crashing over months mm-hmm. instead of a few days. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be... Yeah. S- super clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a nice, beautiful, light, orangey... Light amber to deep copper. Yeah, amber. Yeah. Amber is going to be the color, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. Copper. Tiny bubbles. <laughs> white head. Well, a tiny bit of white head. It looks delicious. Yeah. It, yes, it does. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for this beer. Yeah, we've been looking forward to Oktoberfest season for quite a while. Hold on, where's my hat? Even though this isn't Hacker Shore. I did look for one. There's my hat on. There's my hat. All right. It is August, so. Yeah. They're going to start coming out. Yeah. Oktoberfest is the party that goes from September to October. Uh, This is my favorite style by far. Even even, (laughs) Even if it's not Hacker Shore. Even if it's not Hacker Shore, this is still my favorite (laughs) style, and it still trumps Imperial Blonde. Trump. Trump. Yeah. So, so. I uh, actually, today, when Nigel and I were brewing, I transferred my Oktoberfest Martzen, which is this style, transferred it to secondary. It's going to lager. 
and hopefully it will be ready to go into September. Yay. So I'm I'm really anxious to try that because I've never brewed a Martzen before. So. Call me and I'll I'll come blow it when you're Actually, ready to drink it. If you want to blow oh. mine. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about having a, a little get together here. I want to try to make my own um, uh, sauerkraut, which is okay. just uh, fermented cabbage. If you've never fermented food before, no, it's essentially what sauerkraut is: fermented cabbage. Okay. I'll throw some brats on the grill. We'll have some some homemade sauerkraut, homemade Oktoberfest Marson. Sounds good to me. It'll be a good time. All right, so let's let's talk about lagers for just a second and uh, how they ferment. Exactly, uh, lagers are known as bottom fermenting yeasts. Yes. yes. Okay. Bottom. 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 I haven't heard that one in a while either. Okay, so uh, lager yeast strains are best used at temperatures ranging from 7... Oh, this is in degrees Celsius. We can help you out here. Yeah, Thank for you. our non-American yeah, friends. So, so give it in Celsius. I will give it to you in Celsius. Okay. Oh, Brad. Uh, All right, so let's make that blind blow today. So best used at temperatures ranging from 7 to 15 degrees Celsius. So essentially, you're talking about mid 40s to high 50s. Correct. Thank Fahrenheit. you. Fahrenheit. Yes. Uh, at these temperatures, lager yeasts grow less rapidly than ale yeasts, and with less surface foam, they tend to settle out to the bottom of the fermenter as fermentation nears completion. Bottom. 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 This is why they are often referred to as bottom yeasts. Bottom. bottom. It even puts quotation marks around bottom. <laughs> uh, and they spelled flavor correctly in this one, according to Nigel. With a U? Yeah, with a U. Flavor. Yeah. The final flavor of the beer will be will depend a great deal on the strain of lager yeast and the temperatures at which it was fermented. Um, some of the lager styles may, uh, made from bottom fermenting yeast are Pilsners, Dortmunders, Martzen, Box, and American malt liquors. So anything that's a lager. Yeah, anything that's a lager. So essentially, from what I know of yeast, and lager yeast specifically, lager yeast will impart very little flavor to your beer. Yes. The whole lagering period is essentially to get the yeast out of suspension. Mm -hmm. You want them gone so that all you taste is the beer. Right. Which later we'll talk about different styles of yeast where that's not the case. But this yeah. one, this beer specifically. I mean, that's why it's so clear. Right. Yeah. There's, it's just the beer. Mm -hmm. No yeast. Right. The yeast drop out of suspension. Some of the other maybe off flavors, uh, mm -hmm. if there are any present, start to mellow after time yep. with cold conditioning. Lager, so, one of those being diacetyl. Mm -hmm. If you brew a lager, you have to do a diacetyl rest. Okay, so since you brought that up, I, I want to talk about some terms as well. Okay. Um, uh, byproducts of yeast. Yay. Byproducts. By, byproducts. <laughs> uh, so uh, you just brought up one, diacetyl. Yeah. Okay. Or diacetyl, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, I'm going to say diacetyl. Correct. Byproducts. By, yeah. <laughs> byproducts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. It's a taste or aroma of buttery or butterscotch. Now, or see, butter. that's, that's, that's the thing, though, because in light lagers, diacetyl, the, the butter part, is mm -hmm. a negative term. It's, it's a negative connotation. Yeah. However, in certain styles, I would think 
butterscotch would be acceptable, if not even encouraged. Yeah, it depends. I think it just depends on the person um, or, and how they perceive it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because some people may not take it as negative. You know, Well, if, if, if I'm drinking like a, a heavy malt-centered beer, maybe butterscotch is something that I would... Like maybe a, a barley wine, English barley wine, butterscotch would not be a negative thing. You know what you do is you make a butterscotch beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in a light lager where any kind of flaw is not going to be hidden behind Correct. any other uh-huh. intensive flavors yeah. and aromas, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. it's really going to punch through. So if exactly. you butter popcorn in your beer. In your light lager. Then it is going to come through. Yeah, it's a flaw. Yeah. For sure. All right, this one's always fun. I think there's a drop of this one. Uh, Acetaldehyde. <laughs> Did I say that right? Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. Dang it. Okay, I was close. Alcetaldehyde. It's a green apple aroma. Yes. Yeah. That's a, a young beer. Yeah. If you pull it off the yeast too soon, you're going to get green apple. Mm-hmm. Young, young beer. beer. There you go. Wow. <laughs> All right, uh, this one's uh, another favorite of mine, uh, dimethyl sulfide. Next up, DMS. <laughs> DMS. <laughs> uh, that's a taste or aroma of sweet corn or cooked veggies. Yes, which is actually the exact compound you are boiling off mm-hmm. during your, your homebrew boil. Yeah. Which is why we leave our boils uncovered, because if you cover that, then the, uh, then the DMS compound's coagulate on top of the yeah, there's the a, lid and then drop back in there. It's the condensation. That's the word I was thinking of. The condensation. Yeah. Coagulation. The DMS, the DMS is actually evaporated through the condensation of your boil. And if you cover your boil, then that condensation is dropped back into your beer and you still get the DMS. Mm-hmm. Is that our $10 word for the day? Yes. Yep. And that's also why you boil Pilsner malts for 90 minutes instead of 60 because Pilsner malts have a higher level of DMS. Yeah. Uh, clove. Let's talk about clove for a second. That's a spicy character reminiscent of cloves. Really? That's what clove is? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that one, Travis? You're one? welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's perfect for you today. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, fruity slash estuary uh, flavor and aroma of bananas, strawberries, apples, or other fruit. Medicinal. See, well, let's get fruity. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's another one that could be positive or negative, depending on the style. Yes. All of these are. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, except for acetaldehyde. That one is allowable in a very small amount of style. Uh, no, maybe a little. It's in Coors Light. Yeah, maybe a little. Yeah. But I'm saying, it's like, some of them are strong amounts are okay. Acetaldehyde is not one that I think that a strong amount of is okay. Maybe a little. Strong amount. Yeah. Like, if you got acetaldehyde out the butt, it's not a positive thing. Butt beer. Yeah, it's a lot better than butt chugging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh all gosh. of these things, you got to take it or leave it. And yeah. some styles allowable, some it's absolutely not. Allowable is, is a very minute amount, though. Like, if you get a hint of it, it's okay. But if it's, sure. if it's way over the top, then that's a flaw. In the majority of styles, yes, all of these things, if you get it mm-hmm. over the top, then it's going to be unbalanced. But the one you just talked about, fruity, yeah, yeah, in sometimes most, in most styles, that needs to be balanced. 
It does need to be balanced, but it can be. But very few. That's what I'm saying, though. Some of them can be over the top, and it's okay. Because earlier you were like, a lot of these can be strong. Well, I think you got to put it as they need to be there. What I'll say is, like, some of them, it's okay for them to be strong, but most of them, it's like, it's got to be subdued, or else it's a flaw. Yeah, these are all secondary characteristics. Right. So they need to be well-balanced with what the beer is presenting and the malt profile and the hops. Yeah, so like diacetyl, some flavor or some styles, it's okay. Yeah. But for most of them, not really. All right, let's keep going. Medicinal, chemical or phenolic character? Not acceptable in any style. Any style. Phenolic. Acceptable Uh, in some. Some. No, in, in a good way. Like not what I was getting at. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> the the next term is phenolic. That, well, that's what I was there's a difference at, between phenolic and what was the other thing you said? Uh, uh, medicinal. Well, no, that medicinal. It says chemical or phenolic character. Uh, see, for me, phenols are different than chemical. Yeah, like in your saison, you you can have yeast phenols that come across as spicy and black pepper right that's which totally is okay totally acceptable mm-hmm. but medicinal or chemical that's a negative connotation or you can have phenolic compounds that taste like rubber or garden hose and that's okay. totally not okay <laughs> that's which a- beer was that travis yeah, not mine <laughs> <laughs> moving on all right fair <laughs> enough here we go phenolic flavor and aroma of medicine plastic band-aid smoke or cloves yeah or cloves or cloves but see, in some beers, cloves is okay preferred. Yeah. All right, the next one, solvent, reminiscent yeah. of acetone or lacquer thinner. That's not, not acceptable okay. in no. anything. In anything. Sulfur, <laughs> reminiscent of rotten eggs or burnt matches, which I love the burnt match smell. Oh, my gosh. Not in your beer, though. No, but I love that smell, though. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Sulfur it, can come across in some lager yeast strains during fermentation. A lot of times it clears up on its own if you lager it. Yes. So, like for example, the beer that you made a few weeks ago, you're like, "Come smell this," and I. Oh, I remember it. that. Actually, that it wasn't even a lager. That was an ale. Yeah, but it smelled like foot. And yeah. the beer turned out great. So there you go. Totally strange. The uh, the lager I made when I lived at the Berkeley Apartments. Uh, what was it? Um, it was the Obama beer. Um, change we can we can hop, hop for. for that's, that's what it was, was. Yeah, alright yeah, Obama yeah. lager change we can hop for nice and it was uh, I made it in December I don't have a fridge that was big enough to to uh, lager it there so I just kind of yeah. stuck it out in the garage and for the longest time my garage smelled like skunk rotten Rot eggs, eggs sulfur yeah and it was from the act of fermentation I let it sit out for a long time and it just beer grew was it up good, on its own. beer was good cool I wish I could have had that one it was before your time. It was before my time. Well, maybe like by a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. not long. <laughs> yeah, oh well. Now, the real question is, is what causes all these things? The yeast. Yes. <laughs> well, duh. But another thing, though, too, is... Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> that was... Fermentation anyway. at the right temperatures. Exactly. Yes. Constant fermentation. Constant temperature control. Yes. Without temper control, wow, temperature temper. <laughs> control. Am I the only one that's drunk? I might be gaining on you fast. I might still be a little drunk from yesterday. We've had a beer. <laughs> I went to the lake yesterday and got hammered. Um, I wish I was there. Yeah. So uh, make sure that you're, you know, being careful with temperatures. Yes. Okay. Just you know, since we're talking about yeast and and fermentation. 
That's a lot of today, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Fermentation temperature. The whole point of my uh, fermentation chamber was I had a negative experience with fermenting a uh, a Hefeweizen. And it was too warm. And I got, it was like drinking liquid bubblegum. There are some beers that bubblegum is okay. That one, it was way over the top, and I did not enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. That point, I decided I need to be able to control my fermentation temperature. Yeah, and it just depends on, you know, first of all, your budget. Second of all, how 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 good do you want your beer to be? How consistent well, do you want it to be? Well, that's why most homebrewers, I'd say 90% probably homebrewers, start out with ale beers. Yeah, that's what I did. It's once you get that temperature control under control, for lack of a better term, then you start to experiment with the lagers. But ales, most of what you drink is going to be an ale. Yeah, yeah. Since this is a basics of beer series, then we have a lot of different listeners, some people that are very advanced, but also might have some beginners as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I hear people asking questions, what's something I can do to make my beer better immediately? Fermentation control. Temperature control. Yes. That is that huge. Was, yep. that, that's what made the biggest impact for me as a home brewer. Mm-hmm. Everything I've ever done, if it's you know, extract to all grain versus propane to electric versus anything, the biggest thing that I've ever noticed that made my beers better was temperature control during fermentation. And what There's, we mean by that is having like a dedicated fridge or a freezer or yeah. something that you have uh, a dedicated space for your carboy during fermentation and it's yeah. the same uh, temperature. Ale you yeast, can control it. Ale yeast loves mid to high 60s. That's not really a broad range. Mm-hmm. Especially in Texas where we're at, your house is not going to be in the 60s. Yeah. Even though your thermostat might say, you know, in in the 70s, depending on where it's where the carboy sits, uh, it could fluctuate. For example, Frado made a beer not too long ago that was sitting by the back door. And even though they don't live in a house that's, you know, 80, 90 degrees all the time, yeah. because of the placement and because of just the construction of the house, the temperature fluctuated wildly and it made a, a very... Um, unplanned beer, <laughs> I guess is the polite way to say it. From yeah. what from what they wanted, um, and if you have a small apartment, yeah, you can crank down the the thermostat. Yeah, like, to like you did when you first started brewing, sixty six or whatever. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, I I didn't brew my first beer until we lived in this house that I live in right now, mm-hmm. and. Everything I've ever brewed has been in this house. Some of it has been in the bathtub of the the spare, you know, the the guest bathroom. Yeah, I've done that. But anytime I, I gotta go poo, I go to the fermentation chamber. Yeah, that's the whole yeah. point. That that's there. That was the fermentation chamber. Yeah. My barley, my award winning barley wine, fermented secondary and tertiary in that bathroom. But when you're talking about the, it, it, this goes back to you know the class that we took. We learned the first 24 to 48 hours is when all of those flavors start. Yeah, that's the crucial time. Yeah, so you pitch your yeast 
that 24 to 48 hours, that's the temperature that matters. Once the first two or three days are done, you can really honestly do whatever the you want to with it. It's going to be fine. But when the yeast are, are in their, their stress stage, because you're talking about a smack pack or dry yeast or whatever, once they rehydrate, you pitch that in there, that 24 to 48 hours, that's the important part right there. That's the temperature you want it to be controlled. After that, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I bet Sarah's going to talk about that later, but that would be called the lag phase. Yes. Yeah, so I will we'll be talking that. about that. Let's yeah. wrap up this uh, lovely <laughs> yeah. Oktoberfest. Before Sorry, we... that's, a, that's a big tangent. Yeah. I, I'm really, I, I like, you know, the conversation about yeast because, honestly, we don't make beer. We really don't. We put the all, all the ingredients together, but we don't we don't do the work. The yeaster would do the work, and so there's there's a lot of information that goes on there, and and I'm really interested to see what you have to say about well, that. Speak but. for yourself. I work pretty dang hard out there. <laughs> yeah, I sweating out there, pretty big today. But all anyway. right. So while they're uh, finishing up that beer, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce the next one. Oh, did we talk about this one though? Yeah, Hardly. slightly. We Hardly. talked about the <laughs> yeah. We talked about the color. That was about it. Yeah. I thought we got through to the flavor too. No, no, not really. Oh, my bad. Well, I've already finished mine. So. <laughs> but I mean, this is a spot on Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's, it's malty. It's you know, I, there's no. If we're talking about yeast, there's no real yeast character here. No, yes. it's all about the malt. Yeah, it's all about, all about the malt. Yeah, it's all yeah. about the sweetness. There's it, not even any a lager yeast should present a very clean profile. And that's mm-hmm. what Clean yogurt, at least. Yes. There's not even any uh, real hop character there. I mean, there might be something kind of earthy and kind of dirty, but yeah. it, it's very clean. These these beers are all about the uh, the malt. I, w- I would say most lagers are about the malt. Yep. As it should be. If you had to chug it, what would your poundability be? My poundability rating. <laughs> I would say, well, hold on. Because we've talked about this before. Yes, I know. This Oktoberfest is a Martzen. So I'd give it an 8 or a 9. Fest beer, I would give a 10. 11. <laughs> on, yeah. a, on a 10-point scale, yeah, probably 11. Poundability yeah. 9 for me. Yeah, because Fest beer was made, that was the whole point of it, to be more poundable. Mm-hmm. Hence our poundability rating. That's where it all started. So for this Martzen, I'd say 8 or 9. Just to save room for that fest beer, which would be a, a hands down ten. Hmm. Okay, all right. What about a uh, rating on a BJCP scale? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, it's 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 really hard to argue with Spotten. Sure, I can't. Let me look it up just to be sure, but I don't know as far as Martin goes. If Spotten is listed as a commercial, I would be really surprised if it wasn't. I think it's Hacker Shore. In my opinion, this is easily a 40-point beer, if not higher. I would have to agree. As far as the, the Martin category. Yeah. Because it has everything you're looking for in a good Oktoberfest beer. Yeah. All right, so commercial. This is not listed. Hacker Shore is. Of course it is. Polliner is. But the Spotten is not. I stand by my forty rating. Uh, yeah, I I would say mid to low forties on this for sure. If if not mid to high, yeah, it's a dang good beer. I, who am I to say that a German brewery can't make a March and Oktoberfest? Mm-hmm. Like that's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna alter what I just said. Mid to high forties, if not 
high, just high 40s. Mm-hmm. It's surprising that the Vietnamese can do German so well. Well, they have well, the same. Yeah, yeah, it was surprising. Who but was, I'm saying, who am I to say Spotten can't make an Oktoberfest? That's just stupid. So I'm going to say high 40s on this. Yeah, I agree. On to the next beer. Yep. All right, so the next one, <laughs> we don't even have to take a break for this. Yeah. Uh, yes, you guessed it. I got to chug the Oktoberfest first. It's a Kurz Light. <laughs> I will just say how ironically funny it is that my Martin, as I'm drinking this, my Oktoberfest hat just <laughs> fell off as you introduced the Coors Light. <laughs> how symbolic is that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. So we did a German lager. Now we're going to do an American lager. American light lager at that. Last week we had Bud Light and you had to bring the Coors Light because... Yep. Because Coors Light. Well, this is really what I had in the fridge because I drank this all day yesterday. On the boat. Because I was on a boat. Just like the song. Anyways. I can drink this all day. <laughs> yes. Um, this was born in the Rockies. Established in 1978. Uh, you ever think about that some of these drops are from years ago? <laughs> yes. Play? Obviously, that was not me saying I can drink this all day. Just yes, now. it was. But it was what we call a drop. Yes, it was. It was uh, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Okay, so for me... It's cold as the Rockies. What... Okay, so what yeast exactly, what lager yeast was used to brew Coors Light? Do we know? No. And as a matter of fact, that's one thing I did research on for every single beer that we have here today. And no one lists it, like exactly what they used. Okay. So based on my experience, and Travis, correct me if I'm wrong here, the whole point of lager yeast is to not get yeast character. Sure. Especially in the American light lager right. style. Because we just went from a March and Oktoberfest, which is, we know would be a German lager yeast, which lagers started in Germany. The whole term lager means cold storage in German. That's where it started. Lager started in Germany. So we have a, a true brewed in Germany German lager yeast beer. And then we go to Coors Light, which is an American lager. Mm-hmm. Same strain of, of yeast, we would think. Mm-hmm. However, it's an American variation of that. Right. So, ideally, we should not get any similarities between the two because that one's malt-heavy. Mm-hmm. This one is adjunct-heavy. Mm-hmm. But in both, no lager character, no yeast character whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. Think about any... Budweiser commercial or Coors Light commercial you've ever seen, you know, they got pictures of grains being poured out or they're or smelling the hops. hops. But never once do you see just like <laughs> a nasty, muddy yeast vial bitch. being poured in there. Because it, it, it's not a part of the beer profile. It's not the romantic part of beer. It's, no, it's a vital it's not sexy. part of it, but you don't get it in the taste, you don't get it in the flavor, yeah. you don't get it in the aroma. It's Byproduct. Not a, it's not a part of it at all. <laughs> And so that's why they don't romanticize the yeast part of the, of the beer. So yes, it, it is a lager strain. Nobody it says did its job, but it didn't impart any flavors know, or aromas. Yeah, everybody says triple hops brewed or freshest, or as Fredo would say, choicest <laughs> malts and yeast 
or I mean malts and hops, nobody says freshest yeast as part of their uh, you know campaign. All right. Well, this beer is brilliantly clear. Yes. Um, I can see Chris across the table over there. Yeah, I can see. Hi, Sawyer. Hi. I'm what sorry. Up? Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, that's a little wrong, but okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tiny bubbles, uh, small head. Very little head. Yeah. Um, let's take a whiff. I get corn. Yeah, I smell corn. Which is funny because the light lager that I brewed... I used ricin. Not ricin. Oh. I used rice. That scares me a little. When I brewed it. But I still got a corn character. I was expecting to be like... <coughs> yeah, probably. From a ricin beer. Because y'all had my, my Bud Light clone. And it yes. was... I, I still got a very strong corn character even though i use rice now let's let's be adjunct. let's be clear here though this is not dimethyl sulfide though no okay this is just an adjunct, adjunct that they brew with yes and that's why we get it dms is something completely different yep however i wonder if you could use dms in your you know in your corner to brew this style of beer and it still be oh yeah within style i would think so i don't see why not so if you do a a, a pilsner base grain and very short boil now saying that though there's a difference between a corn adjunct and a cooked corn very much a difference yeah. yes so but i've also seen some studies and this is um the I forget the name of the exact blog i think it's the fermentationist somebody who's done experiments on on different yeast strains and different boil lengths okay it's really hard to tell between a 45-minute boil and a 60-minute boil. And it's you know still hard to tell the difference between a 45-minute boil and a 90-minute boil. Because he, he did an experiment. It was like, okay, if I have the exact same recipe, if I boil it for... If I have a Pilsner malt and I boil it for 45 minutes, and I do this boil for 90 minutes, which is what everybody says you should do with the Pilsner malt, can I taste the difference? And the answer was no. And he did the same thing with a 30-minute boil and a 60-minute boil for DMS. And the answer was no, you can't taste the difference. So why do we boil so long? I think a big part of this tradition. Yeah. Well, and hop utilization. Utilization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to get a different bitterness level from a 60-minute boil hop and a 90-minute boil hop. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah. This style though, the the light lager, still a lager, yeast character is is very subdued. Probably hop utilization is very low. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna kind of move on information wise at least. Okay. While we keep drinking, um, we're gonna move on to some trivia. Okay. We're kind of jumping around here. Because I'll have a couple more terms later. So, yes, trivia. I haven't had that in a while. Can I get the... Oh, there it is. It snuck in. Turn it up. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's there now. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Snuck in there a little bit. Yeah. That's what I just said. Yeah. yeah. I know. Okay. I know. I was corroborating what you... Never mind. Drunk. Ahead. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, number one. 
How many species of yeasts exist? Beer. Well, I got to read the answer choices no, first. Yes, I do. <laughs> A. Nah, let him answer first. Okay, fine. What's your answer? Ah. Two. That is incorrect. I know. <laughs> All right. So Actually, the, I will. Like, I will wait for the answer three. choice. There's three. There's three. Go ahead. Answer choices are A. Twenty five. B. Seventy four. C. Five hundred. What? D. Two thousand. Or E. I am too drunk to count. E. That I'm is gonna, incorrect. I'm gonna go with E. Well, yeah. For you, that's probably right. I'm gonna go with E. Hmm. <laughs> Beer. I'm gonna say answer choice D. Two thousand plus. That is incorrect. Oh. oh! The correct answer is C, 500. What? Based on my research, that's what I found. That, no, I'm not discounting that. I was just, that's no, crazy because, yeah. you know, as a, a home brewer, I knew there was ale yeast, lager yeast, sour yeast, and bread yeast. Mm-hmm. Those are the four that I knew existed. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, next one, number two, true or false? Yeast is responsible for most of the flavor and aroma compounds in beer. Beer. Yes. True. That is true. Very good. All right. I had so to redeem myself a little bit there. We have a one to zero now. <laughs> Number three. Uh, he got a negative point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're going to do it that way. Oh. Actually, well, technically both of you did because so you got zero a one to two. You one. did a zero, too. So it's, it's zero to negative one. I did a zero. Uh, <laughs> zero to negative one. Okay. This is getting I'm complicated I'm still now. winning. All right. Number three. What do yeast do during the fermentation process? Beer. Wait. <laughs> Let him answer. No, go ahead. Yeah. A. Transform sugars into alcohol and carbon dioxide. B. They go for a jog. C. I'm not sure because I am shmammered. I wrote that. I spelled that wrong. Wow. <laughs> Were you shmammered when you wrote it? I, um. Well, I did work on this this morning, so I might have been a little hungover. <laughs> uh, and then letter D. Let's ask Master Betty. Beer. Beer. I said it first. I said it louder. Uh, Answer choice A. Technically, he did Aunt Buzz in first, though. Sorry. A. That is correct. See, I could have told... Okay, so I should have just answered the first time I said beer because I knew the answer. Yeah, but the answer choices are funny. That's true. Yeah. Because I'm kind of smammered, too. Yeah, you are. All right, number four. I'm still ahead. Yeah, now it's one to negative one. <clears throat> what happens when the fermentation temp does not remain at the required temp. Hmm. A. If the temp is too high, you will get a fusel alcohol taste or diacetyl. B. Too low, and you can get a, a sluggish or stalled fermentation. C. It will taste like crawfish. D. Both A and B. Beer. Chris. D. Both A and B. That's correct. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two to negative one. I'm winning. All right, number five. A single cell of yeast can measure anywhere from blank to blank microns in diameter. I told you I was going to get a little scientific. <laughs> scientific. Well, maybe a little. I almost said Uh A, one to two <laughs> microns. B, three to five microns. C, 15 to 18 microns. D, what in the world is a micron? Beer! Travis. A. That is incorrect. Oh! Beer. Chris. B. That is correct. <laughs> Three to five microns. I'm sorry, who was it that brought up microns on the podcast? Who who was that? Just just as a, as, as a refresher. 
I really don't remember, to be honest. We you talked did it first. Oh, it was me? Uh, we were talking about filtering microns. Oh, I didn't realize that I brought that up. Okay. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> and a lot of beer later, so. It was a lot of beer. Yeah. All right. Moving so on. So what are we at? Like three to negative one. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, Travis. <laughs> Number six. <laughs> Do yeast need oxygen in order to perform their duties? Beer. True. That's not a true or false question. <laughs> I actually I have multiple one. choices. He's right, though. His, it's, well, yes. It's choice A. Yes. Okay, so fine. B. I will give yes, you... Yes, but yeah. maybe they yeah, need to try I, I will give him the point, then. That is a true. They do need Yahoo! oxygen to perform their function. But let me read my answer choices, at okay. least. All right. A, heck no. <laughs> B, possibly. <laughs> C, yes. D, it depends on the day. C is yes. That's what Travis said. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, yeah. No, well, he got that one. Yeah. So he's at zero. Yep. Yeah. All right. Number seven. What happens if there are not enough yeast cells? A. The oh crap. A. The beer will not finish fermenting. B. They will spend more time and energy reproducing and not as much quality time fermenting the beer. C, they do not ferment the beer at all. D, they will start fermenting the beer in the year 2000. (laughs) Oh, that's it? That's it. Well, beer, but technically it's A and B. Uh, Well, mainly B. No, it's A and B. Well, read, read A and B again. Read A and B again. Yes, I agree with you, but at the same time, the answer choice is B. Well, I was looking for an A. And, read A again. A is the beer will not finish fermenting. Yeah, it won't. No, well, I read know. B again. They will spend more time and energy reproducing, and not as much quality time fermenting the beer. Yes, it's A and B. Okay, fine. <laughs> you don't get an extra point for that, though. No, I just need one point. I'm still killing Travis. I know. I need a point since you did it wrong. Okay, we each get a point. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so what are we at now? You have tied, w- not no. even close. He's got one point. I think you have two points. <laughs> what did I know? I've got like four. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Okay, Listen, maybe three. you're on question what? Uh, well, uh, now I'm I'm about to be on eight. Yeah, so I've got four. We each had a negative, and he had like two. All right, negative one and a zero. All right, one 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 drink one up. one 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 one. Yes. <laughs> no, drink up. Either way, I'm still winning. Okay. Now we move on to the random beer trivia. Number one of random beer trivia. How many homebrewers are there apparently in the U.S. today? What? A, 8 million. Oh, B, way too high. 2 million. Still too high. C, 100,000. Uh, too low. D, 1.2 million. Beer. Travis. I'm going to go with D. That is correct. <sighs> Those are supposed to be the happy sounds, but it wasn't. I'm still winning. I got one point. I got like six. <laughs> 1. 1.2 million, huh? Yeah, 1.2 million. That's a lot of homebrewers. Actually, of I would think right it would be higher than that. You'd think, but. Especially not. in the craft beer age we live in mm-hmm. right now. Well, yeah. I don't know when this was reported, so. Huh. All right. Number two. This is a true or false. Number two. Of the random cool. beer trivia. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> They're two different sections. Sorry. All right, go ahead. True or false? At any given time, 0.7% of the world is drunk. So 50 million people are drunk right now. True. 
That is true. Because we talked about that before. We did. Yes! I wanted to see if you remembered. That was a previous trivia question. It was. I do remember that one. It's been a while, so. I think do I get bonus points for that? No. Oh. I think everybody in here is drunk. I should get bonus points for that because I remember that that happened before. Okay. Well, it's hidden in front of you in he a clear glass. Bonus points. Bo- boyness? Yeah. Listen back to that. You listeners at home. Yeah. Probably. He said boyness points. Either way, I remember that was a question before. Okay. So drink the stuff that's in your glass in front of you. I will. Because you're getting behind. Nope. Well, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe a little. I finished before both of you guys. That's funny. You also poured the Coors Light, but while we were still drinking the Spotting. Yeah. Wait. All right, number three. In what century did Norwegian people baptize their children using beer? A, 12th century. B, 13th. C, 14th. D, 15th. And E, they actually did that? Beer. Travis. Answer choice E? That is incorrect. Beer. Chris. Whatever was 14th. No, that is incorrect. No. The answer choice or the answer for this would be B, thirteenth century. So, wow. Baptized with beer. Baptized with beer. Can I sit up for that? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> you can go to Austria and take a bath in, in beer in a pool of beer. I actually saw. Is that the the oh, spa? The spa mm-hmm. of beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw mm-hmm. that. All right. Can you imagine how bad that smells? I don't. Hot know. beer. Uh, All right. This is the final question. Um, and then I'm going to read a couple of fun facts. Um, number four, how many pints of Guinness beer are wasted every year due to mustaches? <laughs> <laughs> Travis, you had a mustache. Can you answer this one? I'm, I'm going to give you carte blanche on this. All right. Answer choices are A, 12,000 pints. B, 10,000 pints. C, 120,000 pints. D, 162,719 pints. 525,600 I almost put that as an answer choice. Oh, dang. You I should have. almost did. You should have. Uh, 10,000 pints. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to not answer because I really want to know what the, the right. real answer is. It was answer choice D, 162,719 pints because per of year must- because of mustaches. Wow. Yeah. I remember the guy with the big beard that we met at T&P drank out of a straw. Cause he had yeah, that, that's probably he had the, why. The big, that's probably uh, why, yeah. Yosemite Sam Whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. All right, so before I read a couple of fun facts here, I'm going to introduce the next beer. Uh, are we done with trivia? Or are we still? We're done with trivia, but I have a few fun facts. Well, who won? Okay. We'll keep uh, the music going. Do I really need to answer that question? Did, did I win? Yeah. So. Uh, All right. Uh, as a prize, you get the, the next beer. Uh, which, <laughs> this next one is uh, not a regular can, Mr. Uh, Wiggles, at all. Uh, this is called Mr. Wiggles, uh, brewed by Rar and Sons Brewing in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, this is part of the Den of Sin series. The what? The Den of Sin series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is their Double Dank IPA, uh, and it is nine point two percent ABV. Uh, let's see. Mr. Wiggles Double Dank IPA. Big, bold, and hoppy. Malty backbone, crisp, herbal, and spicy aromas. Notes of tropical fruit and assertive bitterness. Citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, melon, etc. <laughs> All right. So that's the next beer. Uh, this is a new release from them. 
Yes. Because I haven't heard of it until now. Yeah, I think you said it had a release date of, like, what, last week? Uh, the Total Wine label was last week. Okay. July yeah. 31st. I think it may have came out, like, a week before that. I think. I could be wrong, though. Okay. It's recent. I'll yeah, say that. It's new to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fun facts about beer. Here's the first one. The world's longest hangover lasted four weeks after a Scotsman consumed 60 pints of beer. In one night? I guess. Uh, apparently, apparently slugs like beer. Ew. I prefer to be called a human. <laughs> Thank you. Beer was not considered an alcoholic beverage in Russia until 2013. Hmm. Let's see. Oops. This is a very clear uh, yellow gold color. Foamy white head. At the wife-carrying World Championships in Finland, first prize is the wife's weight in beer. What? Yeah. I care about my wife quite a bit. What what do they do? Measure how like long you look at them? How longingly you look at them? No, it's, they they give you the beer like in her weight. Like oh, oh carrying. Yeah, just carrying. wife carrying. No, it's like carrying. Who cares about the wife the most? Ready no, to go. It's the <laughs> wife carrying World Championships. Wow, the aroma on this thing is dank. Oh, it's, yes. you know, honestly, I don't think it's as dank as the Mosaic IPA from Community. Oh, I think this is definitely. No, I think it's dank it's, and sweaty. Actually, hoppy, okay, so drippy. I, I I smelled this and I tasted it and I thought this is Mosaic on crack. Wow. Yeah. Double dank. First you think dank and then you take another sniff and then you think no, this is double dank. No, I I took a sip or I took a sniff and I thought dank. Took a sip and then I thought double dank. Um, it's not as bitter as I thought it was. What it would be, you know, it's not like tingling my tongue. It's so bitter. But I will also say that I'm getting kind of a salty note on the tail end. Hmm. Oh. No. I know. I, I don't like it at all. I'm sorry. So, this would be um, an American ale yeast. Okay. So, we haven't talked about ales yet. So, let's do that now. Are we making the jump from lager to ale? Yes. Because we drink all the lagers. Hey. All right. Well, lager's not a thing that you get yeast character out of anyway. No, I know, but it's still important enough. No, no. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying it's... Let's move on because lager. The whole point of a lager is there's no yeast character. Yeah, I know. That's why I only brought two of those. Yeah, yeah. The, the rest of them are ales and sours. Yeah, makes sense. So oh, sour. Point made. Well, Goza. So I like sour. Yeah. Okay. So ales, um, ale yeast strains are best used at temperatures ranging from get ready guys, ten to twenty five degrees Celsius. What's your conversion rate there? He's too drunk. Wait, I, I missed the first part of that. What was that? Ale yeast strains are best used at temperatures ranging from 10 to 25 degrees Celsius. 10 to 25. Uh, what I know about ale strains, it's like mid to high 60s to low 70s. <laughs> okay, cool. So, what? So it's like 68 to 72. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Degrees Fahrenheit. Wait, Ten yes. degrees Celsius. That's a that's lot not, lower than sixty. That's what I'm saying. Like what I know about ale strains. That's not what I would think. When I brew an ale, I'm fermenting at mid sixties to very low seventies, and I'm talking like seventy-one, seventy-two maximum. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Six, 72 degrees Fahrenheit is like 22 Celsius. Yeah, so your, your Celsius, temperature. your low Celsius number is really low. Because if you have a ale beer that you brew and you ferment it at mid-50s, might not happen. Like, that's the point where the yeast go to sleep. I would never brew an ale at low to mid 50s. Like I'm talking 58 minimum hmm. is what I would do an ale at. Okay. All right, moving on. I don't know. If, well, I'm just saying, uh, Travis, have you done anything lower than that? I don't have the capability to do lower than that. No. Well, I'm just saying, I would. I would not do lower than 58. Ale yeasts are generally regarded as top fermenting yeasts since they rise to the surface during fermentation, creating a very thick, rich yeast head, also known as Krausen. Krausen. Yeah. Fast Uh, growing head. (laughs) That is why the term top fermenting is associated with ale yeasts. That's kind of redundant. Uh, (laughs) Fermentation by ale yeasts at these relatively warmer temperatures produces a beer. High in esters, which may, which many regard as a distinctive character of ale beers. Top fermenting yeasts are used for brewing ales, porters, stouts, alt beer, kolsch, and wheat, wheat beers. Excuse me. So, okay, there you go. Yeah, in this example uh, of the raw Mister Wiggles, I don't get a whole lot of, I don't get a whole lot of yeast character, which I think is fine for the style. It, it's uh, listed as a double IPA, so the main thing you should be getting is the hop profile, right? Which I think is spot on for the style. You get a ton of dank hops in the in the nose and the flavor. It comes across very well. It also has a good uh, malt balance on the backbone. I don't like it. That's fine. Personal preference comes into play uh, when rating beers as well, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't think um, I don't think that they wanted any yeast notes to come through as far as the character, but uh, there is obviously a difference between this profile and a lager profile. Oh yeah, it's not as clean. No, and the, for one thing, that would be the the only yeast comment that I could make as far clean, as just the finish. Clean yeah, at least. Yeah, right. That and I mean it's it's kind of hazy. You know, it's not exactly... Well, I, I lied. Never mind. It is it's clear. It's pretty, pretty clear. I just wiped off the condensation. Never mind. It's Don't listen clear, to me. But I- Most of the ales... Okay, let me let me rephrase that. Most of the ales that I brew have been pretty cloudy. Well, that's fair because part of the lagering is the cold crash, at least on a homebrew scale. Unless they're filtering at microns. No, I'm saying homebrew. At, oh, sorry. At, on the homebrew scale... Part of the lagering process is the cold crash. Whether it's intentional or not, lagering essentially is a cold crash. So if you brew an ale and you cold crash it for you know five to seven days, you're going to get a cleaner beer, or I'm sorry, clearer beer than you would if you didn't. 
Right. So essentially, a cold crash is you're going to lager it for a short period of time. Yes. Before you kick it on a homebrewing scale. Chris, can I ask why you don't like this beer? It tastes like sweat and body odor. How do you know what body odor tastes like? You know what it smells like, don't you? Yes. Olfactory. If you know what it smells like, you have an idea about what it tastes like. Okay. That's the whole point of olfactory. So, if you ever walked up on somebody and you smell it and it's like body odor. Yeah. That's what I taste here. Okay. That's olfactory. Okay. And that is a descriptor that I've heard uh, people use from time to time when talking about dank hops is... You know, a lot of times it can be the sweat, body odor. Um, Just and like some people like that, some people don't. Yeah, if you talk to Fratto, and you know, it, it's kind of funny because we use horse blanket as an example. Somebody will say, "Oh, this is totally horse blanket," or you know, hay or barn smell, manure. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's it's great. Yeah, it's like what are you telling me? Horse blanket, and then say it's fantastic. Yeah, some people think that way. So some people will say, oh, it's body odor and sweat. I love it. I'm like, what? No. Yeah, like me, for example. I yeah. I don't find this uh, Travis loves mosaic. I smell and taste body odor and sweat at a mosaic, and I hate it, and Travis loves it. So there's your difference between... That's a hop thing. That's not, now, a, here's yeah. the challenge. It's not a yeast thing. If you had... This in a flight of double IPAs in a homebrew competition, and you're judging based on BJCP guidelines. Could you overcome your distaste of dank hops to give it an accurate score? It would depend on if they claimed mosaic or not. I don't think you need to claim the type of hop you use. You entered as a double IPA. <sighs> And that's the tricky part because some hops are piney, some hops are dense. Here's what I'm saying. I would not, if I got a very strong hop character, whether it was one or the other, because obviously in this example, malt is not a huge factor. It's enough to balance the Mm -hmm. hops that are there. I would immediately be able to tell whether it was mosaic or not. Judging this as a, a, you know, based on the guidelines for a double or, you know, imperial IPA, because mm-hmm. I know that's been a point of contention, either the either the other, I would not trounce it based on the hop choice. Yes, the hops are are there. The alcohol level is present. I can tell that it's higher alcohol. What is this, 9 point something? Yeah, 9.2. Yeah, so I can tell there's a high level of alcohol. I can tell there's a high level of hop. For me, even though I hate Mosaic with a passion, I would probably still give this a low 40s. Good for you. Yeah. Because as as a judge, you have to think past your personal bias and think to the guidelines, does this fit? Okay, so... Poundability for me on this would be a a one. All right. However, judging it, I would give it a low 40s. Okay, so if we're talking poundability, first of all, what's your poundability for the Coors Light? 
because we didn't do that. Well, eight. Okay. Nine. Ten. Ten. Travis, yeah, what about any, you? Any of the above. This beer goes to eleven. All right. Yeah. So, how would you rate it, though? Just, just give a number. For for an American light lager, yeah, like an adjunct lager, because the yes, the BJCP is adjunct, not necessarily American. As an adjunct light lager, I would give it a low forty. Travis, yeah, it's easily forty two. Okay, yeah, me too. As far as the judging by the uh, well, BGCP just like the, the spot in Oktoberfest. No, that's no, a fantastic I, example. I would give that a low forty. I know. I, I'm and, just and and this beer, even though I hate mosaic, the 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 hop character is very prevalent. I couldn't give it less than than a, a high thirty or a low forty. Okay, so back to the Mister Wiggles, Travis. How would you rate this one? Well, what's your pound? Well, Chris used the term mosaic. What if you find out that this doesn't have mosaic hops at all? How would you find that out? It's not on their website, so I don't know. Well, I would say maybe somebody from RAR listens to this and then they comment on it on Twitter, yeah. which you can find us on Twitter at Brew Styles Brew <laughs> underscore Styles. But I'm just saying, based on what I taste, I'm assuming it's mosaic because it tastes bad to me. It tastes I, like body odor I, I and sweat. I think you should change your the way that you describe it, not say mosaic specifically because that is a specific strain of hops. But there That's are many true. dank hops. So yeah. just say dank hops, not mosaic specifically. Yeah. If they're going for dank, then good for them. They nailed it. I'm not a fan. There you go. All right. Well, that answers that. Yeah. This one is... Definitely a very solid entry in the double IPA category. Yeah. It has everything I'm looking for, nothing I'm not, so easily a 40-plus beer. Cool. BJCP. Poundability, probably a five. Yeah, I'm at like a four. One. So, cool. All right, well, let's uh, move on to the we're, next. We're going to take a break so I can drink the rest of Chris's beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm going to drink it. All right, well, we are back uh, with the next beer. Uh, it's in a much larger bottle this time, and uh, we are sans Chris for the moment, uh, but that's okay. Uh, the next one is the West Mall Trappistale Triple, Tripel, excuse me. West Mall versus East Mall, <laughs> gang wars, <laughs> monks on monk crime. To the death, to the pain. Who can be silent the longest? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I always enjoy this beer because of that. Yeah, that that's actually the only reason I picked up this one. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so... I, I think that was episode 21. Okay. That was back when it was just Chris and I, and we did a yeah. two-man podcast for a while. I was not there that day, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we did a... I think that was the Belgian Double okay. episode. Yeah. And we did have the West Mall. I don't think we've ever featured the West Mall Triple. Oh, so this is not the same beer then? No. Okay. All right then. Same company, different beer. All right. Cool. Well, I'm excited to try this then. Um, it's 9.5% ABV. Oh! So uh, even higher than Mr. Wiggles, uh, which hopefully Chris heard that and he's laughing his ass off again. Either that or he's bent over the toilet. We'll see. <laughs> So uh, let's uh, kind of just take a look at the. Oh, yeah. there it is. <laughs> oh, let's ta- let's take a look at the beer. It's pretty pretty hazy, cloudy. 
Yeah, this one is a stark difference from the other ones because it's not brilliantly clear. Yeah, so this is this is going to the Belgian Trippel uh, styles of beer, so meaning a Belgian yeast. Uh, still an ale, not a lager. So it's going to be a little dirtier. Um, yeah, Belgian ale yeast strains mm-hmm. are going to be quite different from uh, from the other ale strains. Um, namely because you're going to get a lot of really fruity esters from them yeah lots of banana uh especially um i I brewed a belgian double and that's what i meant to bring today and i completely forgot it and um it did not have that character shockingly but that's okay well not all of them do i mean banana well it was that's specific to like a hefeweizen strain oh okay that but as far as the belgian strains yes you're gonna get um if it's a double or a quad, you're gonna get some dark, dark fruit flavors like plum and dates. Okay. Um, if it's the tripel, then you might get some bright citrusy notes. Okay. But not 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 the like American version of citrus. So it's kind of like maybe orange peel, maybe. Yeah. Um, like like a, a bitter orange peel. Okay. Okay. So not not the sweet fruity version, but right. But it's there. Yeah. Okay. Um, you also get some evident yeast phenols in uh, in Belgian strange as well. That's right. Um, which are not necessarily a negative thing. Yeah, like you could get some fusel alcohols in this and be okay to an extent. Yeah, to a point. Yeah. You, you don't want to go overboard on that kind of thing. They're usually higher in alcohol, which, yeah. which, is, which is just uh, par for the course. But uh, as far as like the yeast phenols, um, a little bit of clove, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Maybe some, some peppery notes, spice that that comes through. Uh, obviously, with any style, it should be well balanced with the other things um, that are supposed to be apparent as far as hops and, and malt right. in that style. Um, there's not really, uh, besides Hefeweizen, there's not many styles that you want to have all the yeast character up front and first and foremost yeah. and being unbalanced. Right. Um, besides, yeah, the German Hef. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just tasted it, um, which we haven't really talked about the aroma yet. Kind of get a couple of citrusy notes in there. It's it's very faint. Yeah. Uh, but it's, agree. it's there. A um, little bit of fruity character. Uh, also yeah. get some bready notes. You do. Yes. And that's pretty apparent. Yeah. You know, in the, in the uh, flavor, I usually equate these things with like a Belgian candy sugar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That uh, it has that sweetness, but it's not uh, it's not like a malt sweetness. It's just from mm-hmm. you know a little bit from the yeast, but some from the malt too. So there's I don't know how to describe this. Every time I've had a uh, the I, every time I've had the Devil's Backbone from Real Ale, Real Ale yes. yeah, um, it, it I don't know if it's the carbonation or if it's just the the style that makes my, the inside of my mouth do this, but. I get this tingly feeling from drinking this style of beer. And I don't get that from this one a whole heck of a lot. It's just very little. And, you know, I, I wonder if that's, you know, just the style or if that's if that's something else. Mm. Have you ever had that? It, well, a few things could lead to that, especially on the Belgian Trippel style, because uh, it is namely a higher alcohol style. And mm-hmm. it, it's supposed to have... Uh, upwards of, well, let me pull it up. Style 26C Belgian Trappel 
uh, can be anywhere from 7.5 on the low end to 9.5% alcohol. So you're going to have that little bit of alcohol warmth on the palate. That causes a tingle. Plus, this should be one of the higher carbonated styles as well. Okay, so that's the carbonation. And so you're going to get a big tingle from that. Uh, So that plus the alcohol... Uh, I would not be surprised if somebody drinks a trip L and they think, yes, it's like a bubbly, tingly uh, yeah. feeling o- o- over the palate. That is totally fine and certainly expected. Sure. I don't really get that with this one. Now, when we poured it, though, it had a huge head. Yes. So like we you know. You pour half the glass and then you stop. Yeah. Because the other half of the glass is full of bubbly, carbonated head. Yeah. So we know that this is carbonated really well. Um, so it's just a soft carbonation. You know, mm-hmm. it's not super rocky or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's harsh at all. Yeah. Um, as far as the mouthfeel. So, since this is a uh, a yeast-centric episode, and this is the first Belgian beer that we've had, mm-hmm. using Belgian yeast, uh, the differences that I noticed right away would be the uh, the esters. Yeah. So, there is a little bit of fruitiness. Yep. And that was uh, noticeable right away. Which we know is not from hops. Right. Because they didn't use American hops, not like a, a grapefruit hop or Cascade or anything like that, which mm-hmm. we might have gotten from the uh, Mr. Wiggles. Yeah. But we know that this for sure has Belgian ingredients. So it probably has a, uh, a continental Pilsner malt base, uh, maybe a touch of wheat in, uh, in the base as well. The hops are probably some sort of a EKG. Um, or, or noble hop, so nothing that's really over the top. Certainly nothing that's fruity. Mm-hmm. And then the yeast is where it really comes through. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they used you know add a little bit of sugar, like Belgian candy sugar, to bump up the the sweetness and then also increase the alcohol level. Right. So this is the first one we've had tonight where the yeast character really shines through. Yeah, it really does for sure. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to talk about attenuation. Because we haven't really touched on that yet. Um, Is that our $10 word for the day? It might be. We have a lot of big words today. So attenuation, this term is usually given as a percentage. That's what she said. Yes. (laughs) This term is usually given as a percentage to describe the percent of malt sugar that is converted by the yeast strain to ethanol and CO2. Uh, Most yeast strains attenuate in the range of 65 to 80%. More specifically, this range is the apparent attenuation. Uh, the apparent attenuation is determined by comparing the original and final gravities of the beer. Um, and yes, there is such thing as the real attenuation, um, and the real attenuation is less. Uh, pure ethanol has a gravity of about 0.800. If you had a uh, 1.040 OG beer and got 100% real attenuation, the resulting specific gravity would be about 0.991, uh, corresponding to about 5% alcohol by weight. So, okay, so if you had distilled water, it would be a, a reading of 1.000. Mm-hmm. So the uh, ethyl alcohol is less than that, uh, less dense mm-hmm. than just regular water. Right. So, um, let's see. Uh, the apparent attenuation of a yeast strain will vary depending on the types of sugars in the wort that the yeast is fermenting. Thus, the number quoted for a particular yeast is an average. 
For purposes of discussion, apparent attenuation is ranked as low, medium, and high by the following percentages. 65 to 70% is low, 71 to 75% equals medium, and 76 to 80% equals high. Hmm. So that's attenuation. And so for this one, you know, it's a pretty, it's a high attenuation beer, you know, if you, you know, considering the alcohol level. Um, and most high alcohol beers are high attenuation. Definitely, yeah. There's uh, there's been plenty of beers that I've brewed and uh, just used whatever strain of yeast, and it doesn't really finish out. It still leaves quite a bit of sweetness. Yeah. But every time I've done like uh, either a saison yeast or a Belgian yeast, man, it it eats any kinds of sugar that's available, and it finishes out pretty close to to water. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is a hallmark of that style. Uh, you know, many of the English yeast you use don't do that, and they have a low attenuation, which leaves a fair bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, Belgian styles I've noticed eat a lot uh, of the available sugars, and uh, and saison yeast all, which is a a hybrid of uh, Belgian and French yeast. But yeah, those are the ones that definitely. Just really clean it out. Right, right. So if you're creating a style of beer or you're creating your own recipe, that's what you need to be uh, be cognizant about. Is like if if you want a beer that really finishes out and is not sweet and just very, very crisp and clean, then yeah, you want a beer that has a high attenuation. If you want a beer that's more sweet, like a uh, some kind of a milk stout or a uh, a Scottish or a scotch ale, something that has a, should have residual sweetness, then mm-hmm. don't pick a yeast that has a high attenuation. Maybe pick one that's a medium or low. Agreed. And uh, every single yeast company out there these days have some kind of chart somewhere online that will tell you all of these okay. statistics, especially like, I'm. that's just kind of what I'm going off of. If you want to, if you like to use Y yeast, for example, they, I, I've seen it. They have four or five different charts that tell you the exact Attenuation levels, um, color levels, all those things. You know, so you you pick out the yeast that you would think that would work best for your beer that, at that point in time. Sure. So and and again, that's almost every single yeast company out there here, at least here in the states. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, we got two more terms to go through real quick. Okay. Uh, flocculation. Whoa! 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 We did not check the explicit box. No. You can't be throwing those terms around willy-nilly. Sorry. Slower. Flocculation. Okay. Yeah. We're about to have a fight up in here. My bad. Well, but well, my now bad. I understand what you said. Okay, sorry. Might be the beard talking. But we bit. ain't gonna curse because explicit box we did not click. <laughs> yeah. Flocculation. That's... Yeah. Uh, I remember whenever I, I started going to RAR, the RAR brewing... Uh, Back in the day, and uh, Fritz would do, he was the owner, he still is the owner, he would do the tour, and then he realized that I started coming a lot of the times, and and uh, he made the same jokes every time he did a tour. I still went on the tour, even though I knew what he was going to say, Yeah, but he had the same script. Uh, and one of the things he said was, uh, you know, and at this point, this is when the yeast undergo flocculation. Everyone say it with me. Flocculation. Flocculation. And he'd always say, that's a fun word to say after you've had a few beers. <laughs> Flocula- Where's Chris? <laughs> so th- that's a joke that's kind of stuck with me. 
Yeah. Even though it's been a while. That's funny. So, flocculation, this term describes how fast or how well a yeast clumps together and settles to the bottom of the fermenter after fermentation is complete. Uh, Different yeast strains clump differently and will settle faster or slower. Some yeast layers practically paint themselves to the bottom of the fermenter, while others are are ready to swirl up if you so much as as sneeze. Wow, I I thought I was going to say squeeze. (laughs) I don't know why. Excuse me. Um, Highly flocculent yeasts can sometimes settle out before the fermentation is finished, leaving higher than normal levels of diacetyl or even leftover fermentable sugars. Pitching an an adequate amount of healthy yeast is the best solution to this potential problem. So that's flocculation. Um, Our last term for the day is lag time. This term refers to the amount of time that passes from when the yeast is pitched to when the airlock really starts bubbling on the fermenter. A long lag time, more than 24 hours, indicates that the wort was poorly aerated, not enough yeast was pitched, and or that the yeast was initially in poor shape. So Okay. So, yeah, when you're talking about yeast, they have three main phases as far as fermentation. you got the lag time, which is from the moment you put it in the, in the wort, mm-hmm. um, and then at that point it just kind of sits there and takes uh, kind of looks around see uh, what environment it's been put in so it mm-hmm. it, it looks at what uh, sugars available and it's kind of just just sits it lags right but then uh, so that lasts from anywhere from zero to 15 hours uh, so it could be a long time if you have a slow a slow uh, propagating yeast it'll be a, a longer lag time. And then the second phase is the exponential growth phase. And that's whenever you start to see Krauss and, and builds. And that's when you see uh, convection happening in your carboy mm-hmm. because it starts to realize, holy crap, we got all this to eat. We need to, we need to propagate and split and make you know, daughter cells. And, and yes. that's when they start to really eat. Uh, they, they start with the simple sugars first. Uh, and then they eat the the complex sugars afterwards. but uh, So that's the second phase. And then afterwards is the stationary phase. So that's whenever all the really intense activity has kind of died down. Right. Uh, high Krausen, which that's the point where the bubbles on top of your carboy have reached the highest point, and they'll stop rising. They start to fall down. A lot of times you'll see just like some brown crud that starts to cling to the side of your carboy right and that's from uh different hop compounds and just protein crap so things you don't want in your finished beer uh-huh. but uh so that's whenever high crowds and finish it falls back in and then at that point fermentation is not done even though you might think it is even though the bubbles have fallen off but that's whenever yeast kind of clean up after themselves so right during fermentation they create like uh sorry said earlier uh diacetyl and uh acetaldehyde all these things that that are negative in the final beer, but they create it during fermentation. Then they start to eat it, so they clean up yes. after themselves. And so you don't want to immediately, uh, you don't want immediately transfer your beer into bottles or kegs or a secondary fermentation after you see the bubbles fall down immediately, because there's still a little work to be done. Right, and that's that's an important part of the uh, of the yeast life cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. We covered a lot of information just then. 
Um, we did. Yeah. Let's talk about this beer. Yeah, let's do because I'm about to be out of it. Um, actually, there's more in the bottle. So, yeah, again, a little hazy. Um, tiny bubbles. Where's the bottle? But lots of head. Lots and lots of head. Yes. So, it definitely did have the uh, the really intense uh, carbonation level. Yeah. Uh, had the bubbliness mm-hmm. expected. You know, it, it wasn't a gusher, so that's nice. No. And it's not corked, so you don't have to worry about putting an eye out. Because uh, yeah. we've almost done that a couple times. Several times. Yeah. On this podcast. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> that had a nice pitch to it. Yeah. Might have been like a C or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, um, let's see. As far as the... Uh... All right. Pound a little bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry. What? Did you just pull that one? The, the pound a bit built... <laughs> All right, pound a, pound a bit, a bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? Bit. <laughs> what is your pound a bit, a bit rating? Um, well, uh, I would say this is probably about a seven. It's still light. It is, but there's a lot of alcohol there. Yes. So it's and gonna, a lot of bubbly carbonation. Yes, too, the, which it's makes very it difficult to chug. Highly carbonated, so you're gonna be burping quite a bit. Uh, you know, lots of indigestion there, but. Uh, mm. Overall, it's a it's it's very light. It's it's a light mouthfeel overall, in my opinion. So I'd say it's and, a maybe a six poundability. Okay. As far as a BJCP, this is a commercial example. Oh, by it, far, yeah. Easily like a forty-two. Yeah, it's a it's a great example mm. of this beer or the style. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, Belgian triple. You know, I I I kind of want to go back and have the the backbone again. The Devil's Backbone, just to compare them side by side and okay. go, okay, this is the American style of version of it, you know, yes. and let's let's see how it's really different compared to the standard. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but man, this one's good. It's really good. Yeah. I really like it a lot. A good way to present the Belgian yeast strain as well. Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you you brought this one. Me too. Me too. I'm I'm glad that we haven't featured this one before because I thought <laughs> we did. So yay. So, so welcome back to the podcast, West Mall. Yes. So our next one uh, will uh, will be another Belgian, or no, it's not. No, it is not. Um, but uh, it is European. Uh, so uh, we'll be right back with that one. Uh, well, you know, I mean, all right, we're on to the next one because everyone asks us to go on to the next one, and by everyone, I mean me. Yeah. What? What are you gonna do? Yeah, I know, right? So this is uh, the uh, Weinstefaner Crystal Weiss beer. Um, it, it rings in at a five point four percent. Frühling Stark here. Yes, exactly. Uh, five point four percent AVB, and uh, it was brewed under the under the purity law of fifteen sixteen, the Reinheitsgebot. Reinheitsgebot. Um, and it says store dark and keep cool 46 degrees to 52 degrees Fahrenheit or 7 to 11 degrees Celsius. I like what they did there. 7-11. <laughs> that's just me, though. So, yeah, that's the next one. Since 1040. Holy cow. That's old. Okay, so this is going to be a uh, a German Hefeweizen beer to start with. Right. So German ingredients, uh, an ale yeast. It could be warm fermented, probably. But uh, as the crystal weizen 
style, uh, that's going to be one where you drop the yeast out of suspension completely or you filter it out. So this is like a Hefeweizen, but it's been filtered, so it's super clear. Oh, yeah. You don't get... Uh, well, I'm not going to give any preconceptions, but I guess I'll... Wait until after I taste the beer. So, yes, looking at it, it's very clear, uh, light gold, light yellow color. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Not Quite to sound pleasant. weird, but... Bubbly white head. Yeah. Tiny bubbles. Mm. Interesting aroma. Similar to a German Hefeweizen aroma, but not the same. I get bananas. I do, too. Yeah. You get any hops? No. I... I hesitate to say, like, smokiness because I know that's wrong, but that was the first thing I thought when I smelled it. You know what? I kind of get fusel alcohols. Okay. That's kind of the aroma that I get. Hmm. Yeah, I do get I do get the uh, a, a fair bit of yeast esters in the aroma. So yeah. So there is some fruitiness, some banana, some clove. That, that comes through for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on the, the fuselness that you're talking about. Um I don't get many hops, if at all. Right. Maybe a, a touch of the malt character, but it's pretty low. Pretty yeah. Restrained. Yeah. Um, it's light mouthfeel. Well, light, light medium mouthfeel, really. I get a lot of banana in the flavor. As do I, yeah. Yeah. I don't get the fusel alcohol in the flavor, if there is any. I still get a smoky character in the flavor. Really? Which is really weird. Are they using peated water? I don't think so. This is a Weinstefaner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of strange. Yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking that. We've had this beer on the show before, and I don't really remember that. The Crystal Vice? Yeah. Hmm. Pretty sure we've had it on the show. Well, it definitely does have a uh, a yeast forward profile absolutely so i'd say that and i would i would write that on a bgcp score sheet yeah uh yeah lots of different flavors to it um it's very i'm I'm almost tempted to say it's complex in certain ways almost tempted almost tempted what's holding you back from saying all the way well you know it's like i think back to drinking chris's barley wine earlier today before we started the show that was complex it had a lot of different things going on. Sure. This is still somewhat complex, but not as complex as that, and that's why I'm half tempted to say it. Not the same style as a barley wine? Well, no, but just thinking about how many different flavors were there, you know, that's kind of what's leading me to say something like that. Okay. So, but if even if you did call it complex, it's... I mean, it's not confusing, per se. You know, like you're able to tell most things apart from one another. Yeah. So as far as the yeast episode is concerned, this would be a good example of if you took an ale yeast, which is normally very very fragrant, very uh, effervescent, very present, Mm -hmm. and then you ferment with with those same characters, but then you lager it for a while. So that all of those characters are kind of dampened somewhat. Because mm-hmm. this is like a Hefeweizen that has been muffled. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would agree. As far as both the aroma and the flavor. Because, yes, it does have the characters of a German Hefeweizen aroma, yeast. It has the uh, 
the banana, the clove, all those things. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not as like fist in the face as yeah. far as as uh, a really good example, a prime fresh example mm-hmm. of a, a German Hef. And I think that's solely due to uh, either their lagering process, which they lager it to drop out the yeast, or filtering it mm-hmm. to make it a, a clear example to turn it into a crystal vice. Yeah. So, neat example uh, as far as the yeast is concerned. Yeah, I figured it'd be a different way to go uh, rather than just your run-of-the-mill German mm-hmm. ale. So, yeah, man. Cool. What's your poundability? All right, pound- <laughs> poundability bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> pa- poundability rating. Mm. You know, I think I'm going to put the poundability rating at a six on this. I could see that. Yeah, and I hate to say that, but there's a lot of things going on that really prevent me from just pounding it easily. And see, that kind of goes back to why I'm tempted to say it's complex. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on. And then, as far as like a BGCP rating, that's tough too because there's not a crystal vice category. No, you got a you got a German German Hefeweizen mm-hmm. category. Um, but as far as that, I don't think this will score too well in that. This is probably a mid mid to low 30s for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that my poundability on this would be a 5. Okay. Um, yes, it is a light medium mouthfeel. Um, it's, you would think it's easy drinking just by looking at it. It's a little deceptive, though. Mm. Yeah. You know. Um, so, But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Score-wise, BJCP... Um. Yeah, I would I would say somewhere in the 30s. It's it's not it's not a terrible beer. It's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, given that there's really not a category for this one, it's kind of hard to say at the same time. Yeah. So you know, I guess you you're right. Compared to just regular vice beer, wheat beer. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good beer. I like it. What's next? Oh, Tay, we're going to let Travis introduce this one. Well, we've gone through uh, a few different strains of, of yeast up until now. Talked yep. about lager yeast. We've talked about ale yeast, uh, some different strains. But we haven't ventured into some sour strains. No. And there is... Uh, I don't want to say sour yeast because that's not accurate you have yeast that would uh convey some wild um notes such as like horse blanket or barnyard and stuff like that as far Mm -hmm. as yeast but there's also bacteria that can go into beer as well that and and that's really what creates the sour notes if you're talking about yeast in quotation marks right and you know yes they are bacteria and we have two different sides to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have lactic, okay, and then we have bretonomyces. Okay, okay. Um, the ones that we're about to drink, I believe, are more so on the side of uh, lactic All right. versus bret, because I know I didn't pick up a bret beer. All right. So um, unless I'm wrong about this one, we're about to drink because I've never had it before, um, and um, you know. Um, Retinomyces. There's a lot of different ways that this is done. 
as far as lactic acid is concerned or lactobacillus. Um, I know that in the, um, which we'll have in a second, the Martin House Salty Lady, uh, they use lactobacillus in that one. Okay. Um, because that was the only one I could find. Yeah, because um, as far as like um, souring agents, that's a fairly recent addition. It is. It, it really is. There has always been those those uh, agents in beer, you know, from the beginning of time. But it hasn't been isolated into a specific beer until now. No. So, for example, you know, in the uh, 1700s growing up, you drink a beer, you drink it as quick as you can until it turns sour. That's because there's lactobacillus in it because they didn't know about uh, Louis Pasteur hadn't come along and identified specific yeast strains. Right. Um, so, yeah, recently it's kind of been a, a renaissance of sour souring agents to make beer specifically with these strains that uh, in the past were kind of uncouth. Right. And let's see. Um, I would think that typically Gozas are not actual wild sours. And I say that because you have to have retinomyces for wild. Right? Or am I wrong on that? Well, wild and sour are not the same. Well, no, because we're talking about the bacteria that they use. So, yes. You know, you have like like what I mentioned, we have the lactobacillus, lactic acid, you know, family, and then we have the Brettanomyces family. And I, Okay, so let's talk about those two different things. Sure. Okay. So, okay, so lactics and beer, all right? Mm-hmm. The percentage of acids primarily lactic are um, acetic. In uh, in in a particular beer determines its sourness. Some beers have just a hint of tartness; others are overwhelmingly sour. Mm-hmm. German Berliner Weiss and several Belgian beer styles are characterized by their sourness. Each style has a different level of sourness, and and even within the same beer style, the level varies. Fermentation with elastic. Wow, I'm slurring my words now. <laughs> Fermentation with lactic acid bacteria is not an exact science. And one brand of beer may have different levels of sourness from batch to batch or from year to year. So that's something to kind of think about too. And to kind of give you an example from Germany, you know, if we want to talk that, since we don't have one here, uh, a German Berliner Weiss, okay, originated in Berlin and Bremen, Germany. A wheat beer made of 30 to 60% malted wheat, Berliner Weiss is produced using one of two different processes. In the traditional process, unboiled wort is fermented with a mixture of Brettanomyces ale yeast. Brewed in München. Yes. What? Bless you. <laughs> and heterofermentive lactic acid bacteria. After the main fermentation, the beer is blended with Krausen and bottled. Secondary fermentation and uh, maturation then take place in the bottle for up to two years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Uh, a commercial example of this style is the Berliner Schultheis. I think I pronounced that right. S-C-H-U-L-T-H-E-I-S-S. No! <laughs> <laughs> 
This style is characterized by an intense vinegary sourness caused by lactic and acetic acids, Ooh. which is complemented by an ester fruitiness from Brettanomyces. Okay. Now that's German, though. So yeah, you, you can have a different uh, a different level of sour or slash tartness. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a Goza, which uh, Chris brewed today, right? And we're about to try a Goza in in a moment. Those I would consider to be tart. Yes. Maybe maybe lightly sour, but but enough that it kind of touches the edge of your cheeks. Yeah. Kind of like, like a lemonade. Yes. A nice lemonade that's well blended with sugar, so it's not super sour, doesn't pucker, mm-hmm. but it has a little bit of tartness. That's what a um, a light Goza or, or a Berlin rye should be. Yeah. Once you get into the sour uh, edges of the spectrum, such as a, um, a Odd Bruin or um, a Flanders Red, those mm-hmm. kind of things that are super puckering sour... That's when you get into the almost vinegary, almost nail polish remover mm-hmm. edge of things. Yep. But I mean, that is that is a tight line to walk because if you go too far, then yes, you get those really unpleasant notes. Yeah. That are that are not good for for what you're looking for. And with gozas, I mean, they have a typical salty-ish nature, mm-hmm. you know, and so when they're brewed. Brewers add salt, sea salt to them. Mm-hmm. You know they don't. They don't just say, "Oh well, you know the lactobacillus is going to take care of everything." Great. No, that's not how it works. They mm-hmm. actually add real salt. Um, so that's something to think about too. But on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we've done a lambic episode before, and lambic. I mean, I read what it takes to brew a lambic. Oh my gosh, it is complicated. Just in yeah. the fermentation process. Um, well, you know, Chris Buda uh, goes a day. What do you think, Chris? Salt in the in the front, chocolate in the back. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure that was me. But yeah. <laughs> it was a good try. <laughs> so with lambics, um, you know, and I'm just kind of jumping around here. Lambic fermentation involves a complex sequence in which yeast strains and bacteria pass into and out of active phases. Oh, yeah, I know. After cooling the wort, yeast and bacteria are allowed to, quote-unquote, fall into the open fermenters. Uh, Certain bacteria and the yeast uh, thrive for two to three weeks. Species of Saccharomyces then perform the main alcohol fermentation for three to four months. After that, lactic acid bacteria dominated by Pediococcus damnosis. What? Yes. Watch your mouth. I'm I I can't see my mouth. I ate the foop. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have eaten foop. We'll get I to didn't what eat the foop. Oh my gosh, we'll get to what that is in a minute. That provides lactic acid fermentation for four to five months. This is followed by the lambic yeast of the genus Bretonomyces. Bretonomyces. Wow, I can't talk. Pediococcus bacteria and Bretonomyces yeasts ferment the complex sugars left behind by the other species. Several other bacteria and yeast play minor roles. That sounds complicated. Yes and no. I mean, I get it, but I at the same time, holy crap. Sure. You know? Yeah, written in print, it seems complicated, 
you can easily have a multiple strain fermentation yeah. in your homebrew if you'd like to. Yeah. You just have to know uh, what each strain will do and what it uh, what it appreciates. So if you want to have a, a mixed fermentation beer, then you need to start with a, a strain that's going to eat the majority of the sugars. So like maybe a, a simple ale, uh, ale strain, like... Um, 1056 something's just gonna eat normal sugars and then after a day or two of fermentation just kind of toss in uh your sour yeast yeah so something that's gonna eat past what uh what the normal yeast would stop it and then would start to create some wild notes some souring agents and that is perfectly fine there's a lot of uh, a lot of commercial brews that have mixed fermentation beers in fact there's a uh there's a category for BGCP now that has mixed fermentation ales because it's become quite popular. Yeah. So we we mentioned a certain uh, term, pediococcus damnosis. You need to watch damnosis. your mouth. Watch damnosis. your mouth when you're talking to me. Sorry. Uh, that is a species of gram-positive bacteria. Strains of this species frequently grow in wine and beer where they overproduce glucan and spoil products by increasing their viscosity. Okay. So that's what that is, if you didn't know what it was already. So let's talk about this beer while we're kind of at a stopping point with the information. And Sure. Yeah. All right. So what do we have? I don't think we introduced it at all. I, uh, did we not? You were supposed to introduce it. <laughs> did I? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it did. Uh, introduce it again if you want. I'll cut it out from... Okay, so we have a blueberry sour beer. It's a Goza. Um, even though it is sour, it's probably not going to be horribly sour. Um, it's kind of dark, almost red. Dark, yeah, maybe uh, amber yeah, color. Color was darker than I expected. As yeah, far as a Goza, I wanted to see a, a light golden color, but this one is uh, much darker than that. Yeah, not much head at all. Yeah, the carbonation is difficult to build up. Yeah. Ooh, but I get some sour notes there, some tart notes in the aroma. Definitely comes through the smell. Yeah. Oh, that gets me on my jawbone. Whew. Yeah, so this is one of those that's like the... Um, ooh. Yeah. That has the saltiness... Uh, of a like super goza that gets you on the corners like you can't see me listening to it but i'm touching the the corners of my jaw when yeah you, when you drink something really sour and you get that kind of flavor uh, th- this comes through mm-hmm. it does have a saltiness to it yeah it really does i would say that i mean just from what i remember that this is probably more tart than the salty lady i think i would agree yeah, it's it's certainly enough that it leaves a lasting impression. And um, from what I remember, the salty lady, which I think we're gonna try that next. So yeah, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. But uh, the first time I had salty lady, it was really intense, really salty. I think they've dialed it back over time so that now it's more balanced, mm-hmm. and it would score better in the BGCP guidelines. But uh, the one we have here from Distill is, 
It's quite yeah, quite tart. It is. Now, here's the real question. Do you get any blueberry? That's something I'm struggling to find. Mm-hmm. Maybe a hint of it. It's like, like you drink it, and then once you swallow, you're kind of left with the aftertaste. You perhaps could find it in that. Yeah. But it's not in the active aroma, not in the flavor, but maybe in the in the vast kind of leavings mm-hmm. of the finish might find it yeah i i would have to agree with you i mean i i get salt it's pretty salty mm-hmm. i mean i never had the original salty lady and i keep hearing that it's it was ridiculously salty but this one's pretty salty salt in the in the front chocolate in the back yeah, I'm not so sure about the chocolate, but yeah, definitely some salt. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Buy a bottle of this and get shmammered. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome for that. Oh, man. So what's your poundability? All right, pound, <laughs> poundability bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? All right, if I had to chug this, it would be a three. Because mm. it's it's sour, it's fruity, it's tart. Even when you, like, you smell it, you know that's coming. So you have to yeah. be three. Okay. Um, in the BGCP guidelines, I would probably enter this as a uh, an alternative fermentation sour. I don't know. What, what do you mix fermentation? Uh, maybe. That. See now. Now I need to look it up because there is a, a, a there's a section for this. Oh, uh, for mixed fermentation. Okay. I have that. All right. So. If I were to enter this as a BGCP guideline beer, I would probably put it in as a uh, 28C wild specialty beer. Oh. Because it has fruit and uh, wild souring agents put in there as well. Okay. And uh, overall impression for that style says a sour and or funky version of a fruit, herb, or spice beer or wild beer aged in wood. And I think that fits in. So if you have a blueberry sour beer, basically any fruit sour beer, it would fit in this category. Hmm. Okay. And that being said, I think it fits pretty well. The blueberry uh, doesn't come through very well. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get much blueberry either, to be honest. And actually. I'm I'm really I'm I'm actually ready to say that I don't get any at all. Okay. So well then let's compare this to the salty lady. Yeah. See let, what you think. Let's do it. All right. So we are back with the next one. Um. So yeah, this is the uh, Martin House Salty Lady, brewed in Fort Worth, Texas, and at, we're bog. Not exactly, but yes. Uh, at Martin House Brewing Company. 5.2%. This is a Goza. We've had this one many times on the show. Tell me about the yeast profile of this one. Uh, All right. Well, yeah. we're going to talk about the rest of the beer. It's uh, <laughs> probably it's an ale yeast strain. Probably. Because Martin House has, I think, uh, only a handful of yeast strains they use. 
Oh no, I remember now. Because we we have we have experienced this. Yes, this is a saison base. Okay, that's what it is. The time that we spent there with the Riverside Shootout, uh-huh. they offered us uh, the use of their ingredients. Yep, and we had uh, several malts at our exposure. Um, we also had several hops yep. that we could use, and then they gave us at the time. This was maybe what four. Four years ago. Yeah. Three or four years ago. They gave us two yeast possibilities we could choose from. Mm-hmm. It may be different now, but at the time, they had an English, just an English ale yeast, and they had a Saison yeast. Yep. They had no lager yeasts at the time. Nope. I don't think they make a lager. I don't think they do either. I think it's still just all ale stuff. Yeah. But they had, yeah, two strains we could pick from. It was that and that. So... It's quite possible that this would be a uh, a saison yeast base, okay, and a saison malt base with a little bit of sourness. So I know for a fact, according to their website, this is the the one that I found. I've probably said that already. Uh, that this is a saison yeast. Okay. Yeah, so. I would totally believe it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even even when they started their first two beers that they came out with was the, uh, the River House Saison. Yeah, which I almost brought one of those. And uh, the Imperial Texan was the other one that was their very first two beers. Yeah. Uh, I remember Frater and I went to a pre-opening. Mm-hmm. Pretty. Let me just pre-say. Pre yeah. Went, pre. to, went to a pre-opening. And they had two beers on tap. This was at a pizza place in Fort Worth before they even had a location. And those are the two beers they had. Uh, the Saison and the uh, Imperial Texan. Yeah, the Imperial Texan. They're actually, both of those beers are really good. Still probably one of their best sellers. Yeah. Uh, the Pretzel Stout, I bet. Oh, man. Carries some some uh, significant weight i was disappointed the last time that we went there they didn't have that beer on tap and they didn't have salsa verde on tap either yeah and i really wanted some salsa verde yeah oh well anyways which says a lot there's not many local breweries that have a good uh like chili pepper beer on yeah or not a not a series of it and you know as far as distribution some of you guys have mentioned that you can't get some of these beers where you're at and we understand as far as listeners yeah yeah. and there are a lot of beers that you get that we don't unfortunately Mm -hmm. um so you know if you're if you would like to do some kind of trade let us know i would do that i have no problems doing that um so you just you just shoot us a, a comment or a Facebook message or a Twitter message. I don't know, I'm not sure how that works. And you can email me at fratto.brewstyles at netscape.navigator.org. <laughs> so there you go. Um but yeah, we're on to the salty lady. Uh this is five point two percent AVB. And uh, it's hazy, cloudy, whatever you want to call it. No head at all. Yeah, the carbonation dropped significantly. I mean, you can get a bubbly head if you pour it from a distance, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to last. No, not at all. 
It's not as salty as the blue can. The blueberry goes a... In the aroma, it comes through pretty significantly, though. It really does, yeah. Do you get salt? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. good. I get salt in the front <laughs> and salt in the back. What about the middle? Salt in the front, salt in the back. Okay. Fair enough. I ate the poop. <clears throat> Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Hang on. Well, that's fine if you choose to go that way, but yeah. uh, not everyone does. No, it's okay. So, uh, yellow cam, blue lettering, black lettering, something like that. But this this beer is pretty straightforward as far as goes. A lot of the same things are happening. As the last it's one. yellow. It is yellow. Yeah. yeah, that's the difference. This one is a different color. It is yellow. Man, and in the flavor, it's just. It's like, um, it's really like a, a sports drink. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Gatorade, but because it's not as sweet as that. Too much sodium. But, well, yeah, you have you have more of a, a salt content in, this, in yeah. this beverage than you do in a Gatorade. So yep. less sweetness, more of a sodium salt content. I wonder how much salt they actually add to this thing. Like... Mm. I, w- I would love to be there on a brew day for this one and watch them just, you know, dump in bags and bags of salt. Yeah. Because Chris is one that, that he contends that the very first batch of the Salty Lady, which happened, you know, uh, maybe two or three years ago, was way saltier than it is now. Yeah. And, I mean, even I sit here today and it's it's still pretty, yeah. pretty present. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was trying to maybe get lucky and find the Imperial Salty Lady, but uh, I was not successful because I, I know that they recalled it. But Yeah, I heard they had difficulties with that one. I was hoping that I was going to get lucky and find one on a shelf somewhere, and mm. I, I did not. So, oh well. An explosion. <laughs> yeah, those cans were exploding. Uh, not really sure exactly why, but too much pressure, obviously. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, my palatability rating. <laughs> I don't think my poundability rating, my my chugability rating, this one to be very high. Yeah, probably about a three. I would have to agree with three. Yeah. How would you rate it though? Uh. Well, okay, so it's going to fit in the in the Goza category, which is uh, category twenty one historical beer, mm-hmm. uh, which does allow for a qualifiable salt um, profile, but I think this one is a little past the the uh, the salt limit. Okay, it's uh, it's not a, a harmonious marriage, if you will. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, but is it supposed to be a harmonious marriage in this particular style? Uh, I think it's it's supposed to be a a pleasant accompaniment. Okay, so but it's not harmonious. But what I'm drinking now is is past that. So I would okay. put this as rated as a thirty even in the uh, in the Goza category. Okay, I could see in that BJCP. Yeah, I would agree with that 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 score. Um, three. Yeah, for the the poundability, it seems fair as well. Dial back the like salt and in, uh, in 
punchy notes of it. Yeah. Make it a little softer. Mm-hmm. It is a and, good summertime beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All day long. But then you kind of encroach on Berliner Weiss. I think, well, drop the ABV and make this a, a nice Berliner Weiss. It'll work, too. True. Very true. This could go a lot of places. Yeah. But right now, it's a... Uh, it's I drink one can and I I couldn't drink another. Yeah, me neither. And I'm glad I brought this to drink today because I only have one more can of that left. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All right. Well, we got one more, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be right back with that. Where's the bottle? Oh boy. Oh. Uh. All right. Last one. Oh. Strangely enough, I get potatoes. Uh, that'd be an interesting flavor for this one. All right, so the last one up is yet and again another Martin House beer. Uh, this is True Love. Wow, true wow. <laughs> this is their raspberry sour ale, uh, and it rings in at a five point seven percent AVB. Uh, pink can, blue lettering. This rings in at a hardcore four percent ABV. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah, I guess that's a good word for it. And that's about that's all on the can. Um, so we're still on sours. Um, all right. So as far... Okay, we had two sours before this. Yes. One was a Goza, mm-hmm. lightly sour. Yeah. Uh, the second was a Goza. Yep. Actually, all three of these are... More sour. This oh, wait, no, that's not a Goza. That's oh. a sour. Yeah. That's a real sour. Okay. Do we have any info about the sour, the like yeast strain or anything from this one? I'm looking at uh, the can. I really don't see anything. Let, let me okay. look online. I don't know. Uh, possibly. Let's see. I would think so because this is uh, not a Berliner Weiss. This is not a Goza. This is a raspberry sour ale. Yeah. Um, and I've had it before. It's really good. Um I'll talk about the appearance while Sawyer's looking up the yeah, info thanks. on it. Um, it's it's slightly hazy, not clear. Uh, slightly hazy, like a dark orange color. Um, does have a fair bit of head on it, maybe a beige, off-white head on the appearance. As far as the can is concerned, it is a uh, mixture of. Pale blue and pink. It is called the True Love Raspberry Sour Ale. Five point. What is that? Two. Five point two percent. It's seven. Alcohol. Is that a two or a seven? Let me see. See, I'm I'm squinting the one eye. I got a five point two on it with my uh, with my boar guy, my cybernetic implant. Oh, maybe that is a two. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. That being said, there's nothing about what kind of uh, souring yeast or whatever they use on it. So, Well, here's what they say about uh, the True Love. It's great for pool parties. True Love is our second sour beer that is now available year-round. With a light, scummy aroma. Yes. Similar to the Salty Lady, it is, kettled, or it is kettle-soured and very refreshing. 100% natural raspberry puree is added in the fermenter, which provides a pure, hue, a purple hue and slight sweetness. Give it a try. You'll fall in love with the true love. <laughs> I am an amateur. Thank you. One can at a time. 
No, it does not mention anything about the yeast. It is 5.2. The swarm is 4. And the IPUs are 4. Okay. So, you'd have to assume... Uh, man. Well, you know, here's what gets me. I can assume, though. Because Martin House doesn't do many other sour beers. Well, they, yeah. Here's so, this would have to be a completely separate program from what they do normally. Well, if you listened, they call it the second their second sour beer that they've ever done. Hmm. And then they mention the Salty Lady, hmm. which is not the same style, technically speaking. No. Because the Salty Lady is a Goza. If True Love is really a sour, then it's a sour. It's not a Goza, because Gozas are just more tart than they are sour. Possibly. And Salty. So, depending on how they made the uh, the first salty lady, if they did the lactobacillus and just kind of let it sit within the malt to make the uh, uh, to make the mash sour, yeah, maybe then that could possibly be a sour. Then they transfer it off, and then you've got your mash ton that's sour. But even still, you would have to have a separate line of equipment, yeah, to to deal with the the sour strain. I mean, especially if it's kettle soured. mm Hmm. I mean that's a they're you're devoting a big portion of your equipment to that. And even on untapped, they list it as a sour. And that's what I wonder about because for the longest time they have not done anything sour. No. And then they came up with Salty Lady. That was mm-hmm. a good year, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yep. Um so that's been present. And then the true love came out. Fairly recently. It did. Uh, it's probably been the last few months, at least, I would say. Um, I know they do have a barrel program. You don't... I, they would not barrel this one. Well, they have a barrel program, because they've done Queen of the Mist in barrels. They've done the uh, Imperial Stout, yeah, Archeon, Acheon, Acheon, something like that. Yeah. Like I said, but yeah, I mean, they have a, a barrel program that they do too. Yeah, I, but it's not a sour barrel program. Yeah, see, when you say barrel, anytime anyone says barrel, I think dark beers, barrel sure. aged. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't think sour. Hmm. I think that'd be a good question for our guys over at Collective at some point. Like, how where where do you put your beer to sour them? Hmm. You know, because they do they do a lot of sours. By the way, I like your shirt. Is that why you wore it today? I'm wearing my shirt. Are you wearing pants too? <laughs> yeah, I uh, for the malt episode I wore my multi man shirt. Yeah. For the hop episode I wore a hop uh, hop fusion shirt. Yeah. I don't have a yeast shirt. Today. No. So I wore a shirt that represents a brew that does a lot of stuff with yeast, which would be collective <laughs> brewing. Yep. Um, I think I would like to talk to them about souring stuff. I'd love to talk to the Martin House guys about what they do. Oh yeah, because um, we're drinking the beer. We have lots of questions about it. So yeah, uh, uh, Cody, if you're listening, then we'd love to have you send on. A message, yeah, yeah, love to have, have you on and answer our questions about your sour beer process and what you think about it, and different about your yeast. Yeah, well, let's talk about the beer real quick. Um, it's kind of pinkish. Mm. It's got a nice little pink yeah. hue. Slight orange tinge as well. Yeah. Um, 
definitely has a sour aroma to it. Yeah, I get raspberry too. Do you? I can come through with uh, some like sour fruit. Okay. Smell Eddie's tea bag. No, I don't really get no, that. But um, I do get just some really, I wouldn't say unpleasant or harsh sour, but some nice berry sourness. This one would, would remind me of uh, just a straight up, you know, raspberry lemonade. Mm. You know, it's not overly sour to where you're like, but you know. A little bit tart. It is, it, but I think this one is more harmonious. Oh. Yeah. I really do. Yes, it's like socks and Old Spice. Exactly. No, Chris, it's not. <laughs> um, you need to go to bed. Yeah, but, well, he's already there. But I, I, I like I like this. It's, yeah. it's not the super puckering no. sour that you get from like a, um, a Flanders Red. No. But uh, it's refreshing enough to be drinkable. I could drink more than one if I needed to. Oh, easily. Yeah. Uh, this, honestly, it's a sour, great summertime beer. Yes. Like, but not like lawnmower beer. You know, if you want lawnmower beer, go with a fancy lawnmower. But with this. It's kind of like pink lemonade. Yeah. You, you know? want to sit down and enjoy it. You know, you don't want to be up and active in my This opinion. is a sipping beer. Well, kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I'd say that. <laughs> All right. Well, Travis, do you have anything else to add? So what's your poundability <laughs> rating on this one, huh? Oh, yeah. We should do that. What's your poundability? I'm actually going to say this is an eight for me. Okay, great. I, I'm going to say seven. Okay. Yeah. The, the, it's still tart enough for me to be at that number. Yes. Yeah. But And, and that's kind of something I've tossed back and forth. It is tart. It is sour. It's got the salty component. It's got the sour component, but it's also refreshing, like a nice lemonade. And yeah. on a summer day, that's really what you want. It's something that's tart, but also refreshing. And I, I think this nails that. Yes, I completely agree. Absolutely. That being said, I don't get raspberry a whole lot of this. No, not a whole heck of a lot. It's just a nice little, you know. It's like icing on the cake, but not a whole lot of icing. Just enough, yeah. In my opinion. So if you enter this beer in the uh, in the sour beer category with fruit, and you claim the raspberry, I probably would uh, mark off notes on the BGCP about the raspberry because it's not over the top. No, and it's not super present. It's there, yes, but uh, it seems to me that. BJCP wise, if you claim something, it needs to be there, and it needs to be there with mm. a fist. Does it really need to be there? Because otherwise, people are going to say, "Well, where's it at?" Well, I, I why did you bother writing it down? See, for me, okay. So, what's your number? First of all, for what? For for your rating? For BJCP mm-hmm. in which category? The sour with fruit. Sour with fruit. 37, 38. Okay, so you and I, number-wise, are on the same plane, because I was going to say 35. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily think that it needs to be there with the bold fist shaking in front of your face, but I, you know, this is really balanced well, and I really like that. 
Okay. I think that if the raspberry were way over the top, this might start tasting like Tussin. I get more uh, medicinal. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's the scary thing. I think they did a really good job with this, even though it is a 35. All right. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't know if this would be a commercial example, though. I don't think it would be. I could respect that. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's that. Okay. Well, we have one more episode left in this series. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. Before we uh, move on to the next... All right. Well, thanks for that, Travis. ...bit of things. Thank you for that. Uh, We are not ending our podcast, by the way. We're going to keep going, obviously. So, please keep listening. Uh, Make sure you subscribe. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks to our listeners. And uh, again, if you have any comments at all, please let us know. Comment, yeah. comment, comment. Put five stars always, but comment. You can post a review on iTunes if yep. you want. Uh, you can go to our website, brucedowles.com, mm-hmm. and uh, comment on any one of the pages there. Yep. Just kind of let you know, let us know your thoughts. Good, bad. Yes. We'll take it in stride. Yes, absolutely. So, I think that's going to be about it for us today. Next week will be water. Wait, what are we doing? Water. (laughs) Cheers till then.